0: common? The struggle is real, my friends. The Kate Daly Show starts now.
1: Y'all, I'm a middle-aged woman, and up until today, I have managed to not ever have to do a rant video on Facebook, but apparently today is my day. Um, just left the grocery store, and as we all know, the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever we're calling it this week has driven people completely insane. And the woman in line in front of me, just apropos of nothing, just starts shrieking at the poor little guy ringing her up that he has just touched his face and that he therefore must wash his hands this to the top of her lungs. So I'm assuming she surely to God must be the head of the CDC because she says it was such conviction. And by the way, lady, it's you're not supposed to touch your face. doesn't really matter as much if he touches his. Um, I digress. The little guy says, I can't wash my hands right now. She says, I'll wait. Great. Well, I'll wait. I guess, lady. He says, I have hand sanitizer. So he takes like a quarter of a little squirt, does his little thing on his hands for about a quarter of a second, which basically would have just served to insert. Side of right and maybe kill off two small weak germs. To which the head of the CDC in her kitten covered lab coat nods and fervently agrees that he's, you know, saved the universe with that. He kind of refrains from rolling his eyes, which I think makes him a saint. And then she goes on (laughs) to whip out her credit card. And use the debit pad that every finger-licking, booger-picking, double-digit IQ idiot has touched all day long after going to the bathroom and not washing their hands. And then she just walks on out with her groceries, completely oblivious to the fact that everyone who handled those groceries prior to her getting them has left their little touch and trace of germs all over them. That going down the conveyor belt, they probably picked up chicken juice and everything else. But thank God that kid used that quarter of a squirt of Purell. She has saved the day and kept us all safe from the coronavirus. Y'all, it doesn't matter what we do. There's so many stupid people in this world. We're never going to survive anyway. So touch your face. Just just touch it. Just touch it. It's all the same.
2: Oh, I love that woman. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. What a show I have for you today. Um, Not only do we have Melissa and Susan, Melissa was such a, it's just an, it's a fun, different, different topic. It's not COVID and it's not the election. Woohoo! And I love it. Um, And then Susan will be talking about behind the scenes, what's actually going on with the election, where we're really at, like we do every single day, do an update on how uh, things are progressing and the lawsuits that are progressing. And so I welcome you to the show. I also want to tell you that that, um Dr. Dumb has weighed in for the state of Utah and she said it's a Christmas miracle that uh, a Christmas miracle that the Thanksgiving numbers didn't shoot up and she credits all those mask wears. She did not publicly acknowledge that everybody ignored her. So I just wanted you guys to know um, that Dr. Dumb has weighed in, and she is actually super excited uh, that the numbers didn't go up, and it must be just a solid miracle. Um, yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show, and uh, I have with me such a wonderful guest, and I've been wanting her on my show for a while because I'm a fan of hers, but she doesn't realize that, <laughs> but I'm truly a fan, and I want to uh, introduce you to Robin Openshaw, the Green Smoothie little girl how are you
3: so good thanks for having me kate i've been wanting to be on your show for a long time too oh my gosh look at this except, i mean i love it. i'm really i'm really sorry how i'm ending up on your show because yeah. the story is just not a story i really am dying to tell but it's oh a my story.
2: gosh uh let me just tell you former psychotherapist uh brigham young uh university uh faculty a single mother of four um the original green smoothie girl uh, she has a podcast where do they find this podcast
3: my, my podcast is called Vibe, V-I-B-E, C-I-B-E. anywhere podcasts are served, including iTunes is where I listen.
2: I love this. You are a vocal voice in Utah. You have a huge following. People adore you. I can see why. And you have been nothing but outspoken about this, and that I can appreciate and love about you because you're just willing to just tell the truth and tell it like it is. You've got to tell us what happened to you on this airplane because I am just, I'm just blown away, actually. Go, go for it i got to hear this.
3: Yeah. I, okay. So I had a hard time even telling this story for quite a few days because I was just still processing what happened. And when I tell you the story, like, uh, you, you'll think that you got to this climax of this story. And I promise when you think that this whole thing has blown your mind, there's more. Oh my so, gosh. so my husband and I have moved to Florida from Utah. We ran because of Dr. Dumb and <laughs> Herbert Cox. I call it Herb Cox Dunn. Yes. I just it that way. And I've probably been the loudest. Was probably one of the two or three loudest critics of the regime and the biggest freedom fighters. And, uh, you know, I started screaming about this on February 27th. It was February 27th that I started to say very publicly on uh, my public figure platforms, hey, we are being lied to. And that was even before, you know, quote, two mm-hmm. to flatten the curve. Right. You know, but. When it was coming here from China, I was like, "You guys, it's published in China. This thing killed 0.04 to 0.12 percent by China's own report. Why are we reacting this way?" So I've been out there in a big way. We we moved here to Florida because we, you know, if, if I if I could get if I could hug the edge of this continent. Right. I can't like I'm on the edge of it like right. 50 yards and we have in the Atlantic but so we're here because <laughs> Governor DeSantis is a great American hero and mm-hmm. uh, Herbert and Cox are sold, Bought out and sold. to yep. the deep state and, and China. So so Yep, in China, and mm-hmm. they're always over in China. I wonder why? Mm-hmm. And so we we ran here, and we've been here for like six weeks, and we weren't homesick, and we we're loving the warm weather and being in Desantis' state instead of the one that I raised my children in. And I just had this really strong feeling, and I said, John, I, I feel like if we don't go home, there's some of our parents we won't see again. Mm -hmm. and all all four of our parents are about 77 years old three of the four in very poor health and i said we we don't really want to go home for thanksgiving and be in the snow and right but we just i just felt very strongly we need to do this Mm -hmm. so we booked tickets quite last minute and we got on the plane in daytona beach and you know we had just moved here what six weeks before that and we hadn't had a problem without with, with saying we have we have a medical exemption and so we had flown here without an incident and we thought we would do the same so we went through, we, we um, checked in, we went through security, we got on the plane. No one gave us a hard time at all. Just friendly, everything's good, and we're like, yay, this must be Florida. And um, we're, we're, we're landing, we're come, almost landing in Atlanta for our connection when a, a flight attendant came up to us and said, uh, is there a reason, ma'am, you're not wearing a, wa- a mask? And I said, yeah, I have a medical exemption. And um, she said, Well, you're supposed to register register that before your flight. You have to register that when you're getting your ticket. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. My assistant didn't know that. And my assistant booked these Mm -hmm. these, uh, tickets. And um, I said, I'll put the mask on if you want. But I have passed out a couple times from wearing a mask. I don't do well with low oxygen. And she just kind of went, you know, kind of made a grunt sound and walked away. I didn't didn't think anything of it. I thought she had accepted what I had to say. So the plane lands, and as we walk off, there are two Delta employees. And the one that I'll refer to, because I don't really know the other woman her her name is Guyana or something mm-hmm. there's Brandon, so Brandon and Guyana meet us at the uh, as we're getting off the jetway, and they um demand that we put the mask on and we said the same thing to them but we but we put our mask on and they continue to follow us and harass us and hundreds of yards later, I started to get a little bit upset, and I got my phone out because. The the guy's mask was below his nose, and they were walking right next to each other. And so I took a little video of them breaking their own rules. And that's probably how I got in the situation I was in where they basically, right. I think it was some kind of vendetta or some kind of power trip.
2: But, probably. So, <laughs> it's like the flying we, yeah, Gestapo. That, Go ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right, the flying Gestapo. And I, and I think that a lot has changed in the airline industry. And one of the major points that I'd like to make for your listening audience is, um, though I think that the airlines are being consolidated, and I think that they are under direction and management that is not the free market system. And so I want to make sure that when, when we cap this off that I make that point, and then I want to tell you what happened to us on that second yeah, plane because I- you, you just –
2: And I have to add here um, that the airline industry, for the first time, when they took the money in this go-around for corona, government assumed a portion of the ownership of airlines. And so I don't know if people realize that. There have been a couple of takeovers like that that sort of went under the news and weren't really highly reported. But they actually have ownership. And so I think that's why they have ratcheted up the Gestapo sort of you know, situation on airplanes where these people that deliver soda to you are now your policemen because they are now completely um sold out now and owned completely by the by the government, not completely, but in a huge portion. And I do feel like it'll be a complete takeover within within a, a, a year or two, just because that's the direction that they're going and selling out to. So.
4: It's a,
3: interesting you say that. That helps me connect some dots because mm-hmm. the only thing that I've predicted since March that co- got me called a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. by literally thousands of people, sure. the only thing I'd, I had predicted that, as far as I knew, hadn't taken place, mm-hmm. You know, because in March I was saying, you guys, we're going to be locked down right. for the rest of the year and beyond. And nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. Right. But one of the things I said is that the airline industry would be bankrupt by the end of the summer and mm-hmm. either nationalized or bought up by the Chinese or or some combination of that, or or that Bill Gates would have a controlling interest in Mid airlines. Or, so anyway, um, I, I thought that that hadn't happened, but I don't know why I would think that. It's not like the mainstream media tells us yeah. anything they don't want us well, to know. And hospitals they, are they next,
2: mean, right? Hospitals are next because right? they're right now getting this money. and then I, 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 And I'll tell you something, when they assumed ownership, that's the first time that's happened for the money. So when they were handing out all these bailouts, that That's the first time that the um, airline consented to ownership. That's huge. That's, that is a big deal. And that happened in April. And I, I actually am just shocked. I, I'm shocked trucking also. They do now have a stake in trucking. And uh, I think hospitals are next. Because they actually talked about three uh, industries that were going to be uh, pretty much run by the government. Completely. And airlines is definitely on that. So tracks right right now. So, wow. Okay.
3: Well, so. that's all, that's all really scary. And it is. so I, I think that we are seeing absolutely communist forces on the airline and what you just said about the fact that the government owns part of it makes mm-hmm. sense when you, if any of you saw the little video clip that a woman was taking video footage in a stealth way be, behind her seat of a spirit airlines, flight right. attendant who stood up there and said, my name is Mario, and mm-hmm. if anybody gives us a hard time about the masks at all, we will have you arrested at the gate. We are government officials. This person actually said yes, we're wow. government officials. And I. Yeah, oh
4: my
3: and, and you see it, and it went, it, it went really viral, and it, it was the same week that this thing happened to us on Delta Airlines, but this was on Spirit Airlines, and this, and, and you're watching it, and you're like, wait, when, when were flight attendants made government yeah. officials?
2: Um, yeah, that, that does but, connect some dots, doesn't it? Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Yeah,
3: and, and, a, and a pilot comes out behind Mario and is mm-hmm. walking around behind Mario. And, and, I, and I keep saying Mario rather than a pronoun because I actually can't tell if Mario is what, what, what pronoun he is. And so there's a pilot hearing this, and I'm like, Mario wouldn't be saying this if he or she didn't, like, actually, wasn't actually given um, instruction that they are now government officials. So anyways, and and he says there's a $250,000 fine. You'll be arrested at the gate. He mentions life in prison. Wow. And so I was shown this after my Delta...
5: Hi guys, it's Andrew. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, there is now a breakthrough treatment that the drug companies don't want you to know about. Wasatch Medical Clinic uses the most advanced form of acoustic wave therapy, clinically shown to open up and regrow blood vessels. We can now reverse erectile dysfunction without any pills. Even Cambridge University recently tested our technology and concluded that it is highly effective. If you're struggling with ED, call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now for an unprecedented offer. We'll give you the initial medical screen Screening, exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, totally free. Plus, a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. If you want to regain your younger years in the bedroom, call Wasatch Medical Clinic in the next two minutes to qualify for this $500 offer free. 435 922 7000. That's 435 922 7000. Put a stop to your erectile dysfunction. 435 922
6: 7000. Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked, grilled, sautéed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed, your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Good cooking at beef. It's what's for dinner dot com.
7: Greg again at the Gold Ore Store. You've heard me for years on this channel, carrying on with a passion about gold and especially silver. Folks, our dollar debt note is dying at a rate that cannot be repaired. We are entering a new economic era with many changes coming. Gold and silver are real money, and many billionaires have invested hundreds of millions, even billions, into gold and silver again. Don't be a CSW. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. The world is changing faster than we could even imagine. Very soon, we will feel it stronger and harder in the pocketbook as the Fed has done nothing and will do nothing to stop inflation and protect our assets. I feel we could easily double our present price on silver before the end of this year and gold will most likely be at least $100 higher than at present. Next year, the real bull market in metals begins. You ain't seen nothing yet, folks. Trade those dollars in for real money. Gold and silver today. GoldorStore.com 435 703
2: Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. Boulevard Mattress, located at Boulevard Home on Mall Drive, where you can get an incredible mattress at a low, low price. And St. George Ink and Toner, now at their new location, 237 North Bluff, Southern Utah's number one place to purchase all your home and business printing supplies. St. George Ink and Toner.
8: Hey, we've got Andrew Reinhart with Wasatch Medical Clinic on the phone with us today. What's so very interesting, guys, is Wasatch Medical Clinic has a breakthrough in scientifically proven treatment for your ED. That's right. The solution does not require any pills, no injections, no surgery. Yes, a proven treatment for ED. Andrew, please tell us more.
9: That's right. This treatment is called acoustic wave therapy, and it's all about the blood flow. It's clinically shown to regrow blood vessels, which means we're finally treating the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. And the bottom line, normal function in the bedroom, the spontaneity back into the relationship. Oh,
8: that sounds pretty good. Now, what kind of results, uh, Andrew, are you seeing with these treatments now?
9: We have treated thousands of men all over the country, young, old, with every kind of health condition. Keep in mind, there are over 40 clinical studies that have been done on this technology, including from Cambridge, concluding that it is safe and effective.
8: That's a pretty big name, Cambridge. Okay, Andrew, how about a special offer just for our listeners for today?
9: Yes, if you are struggling with erectile dysfunction and you want to get that intimacy back, call us now. We're going to give away a lot for free, the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, no charge. We'll also throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. I don't think I've ever seen that fail. It's a $500 value, free to those that call now.
8: Okay, I'm really sure that Andrew said free for those who call now, so you heard it, guys, free. Pick up that phone, call right now for that free exam. That uh, phone number is 435-922-7000. Write it down, 435 435- 922 That's 435 922
0: Talk lines are open now. Call eight 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 six seven three fourteen fifty. This is the Kate Daly Show.
2: couldn't think of a better song for this segment of the show. Um, (laughs) Don't let it be on an airline. In fact, uh, I know uh, for my husband and I, we're just not going to fly very much anymore at all. I don't see myself, I don't foresee myself flying a lot uh, in the in the future. I see myself probably driving. Um, welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. Robin Openshaw, it, it, the green smoothie girl, is my guest for this hour and I'm always blown away by Robin because she just nails it and says it and I love that. Um, and you can go to vibe.com to get her podcast. I also want to mention two things. Number one, make sure you are going to Intermountain Audiology and taking advantage of saying my name to them and you get two free months of treatment they're not doing this with anyone else. Two free months of treatment. And uh, all you have to do is go to Intermountain Audiology and uh, you can go to intermountainaudiology.com and you can get that special. I'm telling you that they're only going to do this for a very, very short time right now and take advantage of it. And if you're, listen, if, if I say to you that Biden is president-elect and you smile, I know you can't hear me because <laughs> you would be enraged at that because he's not. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you want a hearing test, that would probably be a good one make sure that if you're turning up the dial on this show to hear it get into Intermountain Audiology. Uh, Don't be pretending that that you can hear when you can't. And we need your voice and we need you in that conversation. Um, Also, I wanted to mention uh, an event coming up, actually. Um, Let me grab this event for you. Uh, This is Saturday, Christmas Lights Concert. Uh, This is December 12th at 6 p.m. on Saturday at 476 South 200 East, Number 12 St. George, near the Temple. Right smack in the middle of this city, it is Outside, uh, many homes on the block, decorated, stage, live entertainment. Santa's gonna be there for the kids, picture taking, free to the public, dress warm. Um, and, uh, I encourage you to go this Saturday, right smack dab in the middle of town. You just cannot miss it. Uh, six, six PM. Robin, okay. What happens on your next flight? I cannot wait to hear this. Oh my gosh. So you took a connecting okay, flight. So- oh. Dear.
3: Yeah. So, so these two employees who had met us off the first flight and kept following us, I kept saying to them, hey, we're wearing the mask. Like we immediately put the masks on when you asked us to, why are you still following us? And they profiled us, stalked us across multiple concourses. We were literally, what? it was like some kind of spy movie. We were ducking into bathrooms. You're we, kidding. we ditched them finally. And we, we sat down in a little restaurant and we had something to eat and we were like strategizing like, and we were like, oh my gosh. What are we going to do if they're at the next gate? So, so John went down and scoped it out, and he came back and he's like, "Babe, they, they're there. They're standing there. They, they're there." And we're like, "Oh my gosh, what if we can't get home?" Oh so of course, we're just going to do what we're told, right? So right. we surprised them by walking up with our masks on, and I think <laughs> that Brandon and his colleague, they, their faces fell like, "Oh, we thought we would just bop them right here," but we walk up in our masks and. I, I could tell that there had been some tension between Brandon and his colleague, and then the the regular flight attendants who were going to scan in our tickets and send us on down the jetway. And this is like the one bright spot of this story. If I feel like absolutely no one stood up for us in this situation, mm-hmm. I feel like that that flight attendant. She grabbed my she grabbed my phone. She scanned me in, and she practically pushed me down the jetway. She was like, nice. and she, she said very loudly, "Thank you for your platinum medallion status, Mrs. Openshop. Well, John is a little slower on the draw and mm-hmm. he's getting out his, uh, he's getting out his phone to pull up his, um, his boarding pass. And meantime, Brandon has had a, t- had a minute to collect his thoughts. And he said, you know, I don't like your mask. He points to John said, I don't, I don't like your mask. It's too, um, it's too like see-through. What? And so he hands him one of those, those blue, like, um, Teflon yeah. ones and he makes him put on this, this, uh, disposable mask. And he and I are just looking at each other, like, just do whatever they say. And, um, and so then we're going to go get on the jetway, and then he says, hold on. He goes, I don't like your mask either. Your mask looks too breathable. Keep in mind that on the first flight, I had told the flight attendant I pass out when I wear a mask. Like, I'll wear Jeez. it if you want, but that's the risk, right? We're here on this flight, and I might pass out. So now they now they give me a mask where there's no possibility I can breathe in it. And if you've seen my face, I have a long, thin face, right? Mm-hmm. So I put on this, this disposable mask. I've um, I, I've never worn one, so I don't really know how to how you make it fit. So I just put it on. We head down the jetway. We we go to the back of the plane where our seats are, and as I'm going to put my um my bag up in the in the overhead compartment, my mask slips a little bit below my nose. Next thing I know, and a stewardess pounces on me and says, your mask is below your nose. And I said, sorry. And I pulled it back up. Well, Uh Brandon was hiding around a corner. He's hiding (laughs) around a corner. And so we're now sitting down in our seats and he comes around the corner and he says, uh, I hear we've had an incident. I'd like to see both of you off the airplane, please. What? And that's when, oh. yeah, so that's when I realized I'm in, oh. we're in trouble. Like we're not going to get home for Christmas. And so I stood up, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm like half sitting down. I stood up and I sort of faced the whole back of the plane. So there's probably 50 people. They're either sitting down or they're putting their stuff in the overhead bins and rustling around. And I very loudly said, please. Please, you've been stalking us for 90 minutes. You have followed us all over multiple concourses. We have been wearing the mask. We have done everything you've asked. We have, we have threatened no one. And we, we have elderly parents at home, and with all the borders closing, we don't know if we're going to ever see them again. This is our chance to see our family. My children are waiting for us at home. Please don't do that. So there's a good 50 people who heard me say that. Wow. And he, after I said that, he turned around and he said to all the passengers on the flight, "You're all going to have to deplane now because of them. We have to disinfect from them."
2: <laughs> what? You're, right? You're that's, not. Ki- oh my gosh! They do oh, plane no, 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 the whole that's, plane. That's
3: not the end of this. Yeah. The, so he said, "We're going to we're going to deplane the whole plane," and so. John and I are just in shock. Like, we didn't see that coming at all. We never never in a million years could have dreamed that up. You know, truth is stranger than fiction, right? So right. He's, got, he's, he's like, whispering to me, like, let's just get off the plane. And we don't want to punish these people. And I said, no, we don't. But, like, babe, like, hey, we're not going to get home. And our stuff is under the plane. And they won't let us get back to Florida either. Like, I was starting to put two and two together. And uh, meantime, what do you think, what would you guess? Kate, what would mm-hmm. you guess happened with the 50 people at the back of the plane who heard every word I had just said?
2: I don't even know because this is so insane anyway. I, I have no idea what they do. Yeah, so so this is a major
3: point I want people to take from our story because everybody, when they hear our story, they're like, still them, sue them. Well, okay, but, you know, that, like, takes thousands of dollars and yeah, tons they... of time and that's so, your energy or whatever. And I'm like you. Like, when they require the vaccine, I'm not going to be flying anyway. But, right, but, but they, I they didn't do anything did to I have spent... I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Delta in the last ten years. I say I have sung its praises to anyone who will listen. I love that I get off the plane and there's my there's right. my suitcase, and mm-hmm. so I'm in shock because listen, that's not what you do in a free market system. When you have to compete yeah. for customers, when you have to right. compete for passengers, you treat your passengers well, especially your uh, frequent flyers. Right? Yes. So you, what I want to Just tell people so that you can think about what you're going to do when you see other people's human rights being violated, and you will. Unfortunately, you will. If you haven't already, you will. We have to decide in advance what it is we're going to do to stand up to them because here's the most shocking thing about this whole story to me is what happened is that he turned the entire airplane against us as an angry mob. So he actually made the whole airplane a completely unsafe place to be by turning them against us, by blaming us for why they were going to deplane and make a whole bunch of people miss their connections.
2: Oh, my so, gosh. Wow. Yeah, so,
3: so we're in shock. We're in shock, and so I agreed with John. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't want these people to be punished, and if everybody has to get off, we have to get off. So we get up, and we start moving off the plane with our else. At any point, Brandon Witta of Delta, this is W-I-T-T-A. I don't have an obligation to you know, hide his identity. Uh-huh. Brandon Witta of Delta who had apparently been given incredible powers to just kick off entire families off airplanes. We, we saw afterwards people were sending me this because it was going viral. Some, some Delta employee had tweeted bragging about how he spent the day before Thanksgiving running around uh, different concourses kicking families off flights and this this tweet, and I'm, I don't know if he, like, ever deleted it or whatever. I'm not even, I don't do anything on Twitter myself. Mm-hmm. But um, he had actually said, we even kicked a family off for their 3-year-old's mask being underneath his nose. Sorry, little guy. Oh, and, my and then he just, gosh. Yeah. He, he just bragged about how great Delta was, that he had been given this, like, broad-reaching power where he just got to spend his whole day running around kicking people off their flights and kicking people out of the airport. So I know that I wasn't the only one that this happened to. But so now we have an angry mob who starts shouting at us. And the main thing that people were saying was, get off the plane. We want to go see our families too. So we're getting off the plane. So as we get off the plane, you got to realize that we're only... It's only the bat. it's like the jumbo jet where there's like the five seats in the middle and then there's yeah. like three seats on each side. So it's a, it's a big claim. And keep in mind, you guys landed.
2: were wearing masks. This wasn't that you weren't wearing masks. You were wearing no, masks, no. the ones they gave you. Absolutely. Okay.
3: Yeah. And my, and my mask slipped below my nose and the flight second. attendant, who had obviously been assigned to watch <laughs> me like a hawk, caught me. I pulled it right up, said, I'm sorry. So that was our infraction. That was the infraction that caused a whole bunch of people to be forcibly missing their connection. And then they probably sprayed, you know, tons of Lysol in the plane after we got off. So he turned around. He turned the entire flight against us, except he saw the first two-thirds of the flight that he has to go deplane, and they don't know why. So we all are filing off of the plane, and here's the next astonishing thing. He had gone up in front, and he had informed the first two-thirds of the plane what we looked like. Because as we got off the plane, there's no other explanation for why. As we got off the plane, a crowd erupted in screaming and swearing and just verbal abuse of us. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not even, that's, I'm not even done. It's oh, not even the end of the story. Oh, my so, gosh. We're just, We're just zombies at this point. We're just like, holy cow, what is happening here? So we just walked past them just hoping we end up, you know, um, just getting through it okay and just not having people start throwing punches. I mean, we've seen that crazy things have happened on airplanes in recent months for incidents like this. I I told my husband later um, that this guy, Brandon Witta, if he had been given a stick and permission to use it, we would have been in the hospital with broken bones. I'm convinced of it. Because uh, yeah, we walk yeah. past the angry mob, we're walking as fast as we can because of these people screaming at us, and they've been encouraged to. They've clearly been encouraged to because there's no reason why they would even know Jeez. what happened in the back of the plane. So we walk past them, and there's Brandon. He's posted himself past the angry mob, which he created, as <laughs> he apparently with the permission of his employer. So we go, we go past the the mob, and we stand, we stand there to listen to Brandon. You know berate us and he said um i said please please just let us fly back to daytona beach so we can get home like we're in a state we don't live in and we need to get one of those two places and he goes oh no he said you will not be flying home and you will not be flying to your destination in fact don't even think about trying to get a flight on another airline because we're all connected now and i've put out an alert to make sure that that won't happen
2: wow okay we're gonna come ra- we actually have to break right now um you should yep, see okay. my face right now i we're all connected and we are absolutely barring you from flying home mm-hmm. okay everyone's mm-hmm. worst nightmare okay i'm uh, not worse but holy cow it's up there be right back on the kate Dally show i can't even imagine i'll I'm be back with uh, robin openshaw in a moment
10: Would you like to work for one of the fastest growing companies in Southern Utah? Balance of Nature employs more than 200 local individuals and plans to double that number over the next six months. We have always been a locally owned and operated company and we never want to leave this area of Southern Utah. By supplying our whole food products directly to individuals online or over the phone, Balance of Nature has served over a half a billion servings of fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature helps real people. Be a part of something that's making a difference. Be a part of Balance of Nature. The culture here is so amazing. Everyone is so happy and helpful.
11: I enjoy my job at Balance of Nature because I'm able to help people improve their lives. I have only been here for six months and I can see a path for me
10: to move up in the company. For more information or to apply, please visit our
2: website at balanceofnature.com. This is Kate Daly, and my show is brought to you by the Piano Gallery, located on the Bloomington exit, right by Bloomington Walmart. You can get a gorgeous piano for a great deal. Talk to John or Jamie. A piano makes a beautiful house, a home. Best mattress, the best place to buy Tempur-Pedic. Save up to $1,500 on Beauty Beautyrest, and Sherwood. Free delivery and setup with the best mattress, 120-day satisfaction guarantee. Why shop anywhere else? At Intermountain Healthcare,
10: we have understand that COVID hasn't stopped babies from being born, emergencies from happening, or the need for doctor visits. We all still have health needs. So at Intermountain, we continue to have measures in place to safely care for you now and in the future. So please don't put off the care you need, especially for stroke-like symptoms, chest pain, difficulty breathing, or other urgent care. We continue to be here for you. Visit intermountainhealthcare.org to learn how to get the care you need.
12: Hi, this is Josh from Lionsgate Recovery, and today we want to share a few of our Google reviews that have given us a 4.8 out of 5 over the years. Bree says... I've been to other treatment centers, and Lionsgate Recovery has succeeded where others did not. Blake states, Lionsgate Recovery is great. They deeply care about their clients. And Jason writes, my son attended Lionsgate Recovery, and they saved his life. I've not seen or heard one bad thing. These are just a few of the 85 total good reviews. Come check them out on Google and see for yourself.
13: The Mercedes-Benz winter event is going on now at Mercedes-Benz of St. George. They're currently making the deals you have been waiting all year for. With a limited number of 2020s left, now is the time to come in and test drive the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams. In addition to their once-a-year deals, they also have special financing. But hurry, these great offers will be gone in a flurry. So head into Mercedes-Benz of St. George because this opportunity is limited time but unlimited joy. See dealer for
8: details. We've got Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic on the phone with us today. Wasatch Medical, if you haven't heard, they've got a breakthrough in scientifically proven treatment for ED. Guys, listen up. This solution does not require any pills, no injections, no surgery. Andrew, what can you tell us about this treatment?
9: That's right. We finally have a breakthrough for erectile dysfunction to get the intimacy back into the relationship. It's called acoustic wave therapy. Now, it's clinically shown to open up and regrow blood vessels in this part of the body, which means we can restore normal and natural function. The key word of the day, spontaneity, back into the bedroom. Whoa,
8: that sounds pretty good. Now, you're using something called acoustic wave therapy. Is
9: that right? It's acoustic wave therapy, kind of looks like an ultrasound machine. It's placed on the skin, non-invasive, doesn't hurt, and a treatment only takes about 10 minutes.
8: And the treatments are working.
9: They are working. We have treated thousands of men all over the country. Keep in mind, Cambridge even studied this technology and concluded it is safe and highly effective.
8: That's impressive. All right, Andrew, how about a special offer for our listeners just for today?
9: Yes, if you or your man are struggling with erectile dysfunction, let's put a stop to it. We're gonna give away a lot for free today. Call us right now. If you do the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, it will be free. We'll also throw in a little special gift. You'll love this. It produces instant results in the bedroom. Now, this is a $500 value. It's totally free to those that call now.
8: All right, you heard it guys. Pick up that phone, call right now for that free exam at 435 922 435 922 One more time, 435 922
0: Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show.
14: God rest you, merry
15: gentlemen. let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ, our Savior, was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. What well,
16: tidings of comfort and joy,
2: Welcome back. If you're listening to the Kate Daly Show, make sure you get the podcast, katedalyradio.com for the podcast. Um, We're at about two million listens now with all the different venues, and it's kind of cool. I'm I'm really happy about that. Share and share and share. Um, Please, we need to educate America on what's really going on here. And uh, also get over to Tropical Pool and Spa. I absolutely love my Bullfrog hot tub. And um, I'm telling you what, uh, I don't know anything that can take the stress away like that can for me right now and I'm just thinking it probably can do the same for you and right now they have specials with financing take advantage of it, these guys are the best in the business, Uh, surprise your spouse with a, a swim spa or a hot tub and I'm telling you they will love you. <laughs> Tropical, fiberglass, pool, and spa. Those guys are fantastic. Highly, highly recommend them over everybody. They are that good. Um, and they know their business. They really do. They understand. And they'll they'll help you to get the right one for you. Um, I have Robin Openshaw, green smoothie girl with me. I've been wanting her on my show for a long time. And you can see why. She's very outspoken. And I love this about her because she just talks truth. And she's talking about... I just still can't believe it. It's I'm still in shock, uh, Robin, over the events that took place with the airline being the literal Gestapo. I, I, I'm 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 just I can't believe it. So you're on this connecting flight, you get booted off the flight. Not only that, you're even masked up. You get booted off the flight, and they deplane, and you've got this angry mob around you. It's just insanity. Yeah. So then what yep. happens because you land in a different state and now you're told that the airlines have basically merged all into one and you're going to be put on a no-fly list and you can't get a flight? Yeah, and I don't I don't know that he
3: exactly said the airlines have been merged into right. one, but I do want to point that That's out. That's my point, yeah. I do trying to get a flight on another right. airline because we're connected and I've put out an alert on you. But we do, we do see, as, as you know, I didn't... I'm in Facebook jail. I'm in my second 30 days of Facebook jail as most political conservatives, Yeah,
2: I, I can't um, comment right now on any page. I mean, I can't comment on a public page for until the 19th or something. I mean, it's just the stupidest thing. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So yeah.
3: It's So so. I hadn't said anything on mm-hmm. Facebook. I still haven't because I can't. I am in. I'm in jail, but... Um, but as I just told family and friends and word started to spread, people were sending me the spirit Airlines video that was going viral because it was just so such a head scratcher to look at this flight attendant instead of saying the thing will drop out of the ceiling so that you could put oxygen on yourself. None of that. Instead, it was, we are government officials and we will put you literally says we can put you in prison for life. And it very much reminds me of, you know, cause I, I used to teach, um, civics and, uh, American history and economics at BYU. It's a, all in one class. I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with it, called American Heritage. And I used to teach these things just semester after semester. And so I know a lot about the history of communism and how it starts as socialism and the people get acclimated to the government dictating all the terms of commerce, and that's what socialism is. And people think, oh, we're heading – I'm constantly hearing people saying, oh, we're, we're heading into socialism. And I'm like, do you know what socialism is? Because we are in full-blown socialism, and we are rapidly – heading into communism. And what I want to point out is that um, the what happened to us on that airplane would never happen in a free market economy where Delta has to treat its frequent flyers like gold because they could just go to another airline. Right. And there were, there were, you know, like I was probably spending $30,000, $40,000 a year on airfare, um, sometimes more. And they don't care anymore. That's one thing that's super clear is that they don't care anymore. And you have to ask yourself why. And so as people were sending me all these different other bits of media, I'm a dot connector like you are. In fact, you've helped me connect some dots that I was missing if if there's actually you as well. public information out there. Yeah,
2: you as well for yeah. me. Thank you. Jeez. Yeah,
3: so, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. And, and so... Uh, One of the things that I think we have to um, take a look at, especially in Utah, and I know not all your listeners are Utahns, but you and I Mm -hmm. are from Utah, and um, I think that the culture in Utah, we've never had to stand up to our government before. We, We have been used to our government representing us and representing us in a way that we think is is fair and and represents our interests and all of a sudden it turned took a hard left and has never relented with dr dumb right and um and of course her uh her cohorts uh governors herbert and cox yes and so I, i just want to point out that we're going to have lots of opportunities like i said where we see the rights of others being abused and i don't know the quote but there was some quote that came out of nazi germany that was Um, And it's very famous. I can't remember who said it, but it's basically, they came for the Jews and I didn't stand for them because I wasn't Jewish. And then they came for the blacks and Mm -hmm. I didn't stand with them because, you know, I wasn't black and they came for these people and they came for those people. And then everybody was gone and they came for me and there was no one to stand with me. And, and I think that what happened on the back of that plane, I'm sure people on the back of the plane we're just as shocked as we were. And we know that some of those people were horrified by what was happening to us because they said so to us in a quiet voice. Yeah. Um, a, guy, a guy came up to me and said, I'll give you 200 bucks if you get off the plane. I said, I don't know if you can tell, but we're actually walking off the plane, and this isn't about money, and I don't need your $200. Thank you anyway. And then another guy was saying to us, hey, I'm totally with you, but this isn't a place to take a stand. And and we said, we're not taking a stand. We're literally wearing a mask. We knew we were going to have to wear the mask to get home to see our family. We knew what the situation was right. here. Um, we're not taking a stand. That's not what happened here. I take a stand, and I've run, I've been a part of or run over 50 protests in the right. last nine months. Uh, but but we. I think that we have to decide in advance whether we're willing to take personal risks to stand for the rights of others because if we don't, we're going to be the last one standing if we're lucky, and no, and there's no one to stand up for us. And I've said since March that, yes, the police, we're not used to the police turning on us. That doesn't happen in America, and people were calling me a conspiracy theorist when I mm-hmm. said, here's the thing, when jobs get scarce, and it's really, it was really clear to me in March that jobs were going to get scarce, we're going to see our own police officers turn on us, yep. not just violate their oath to uphold the constitution and protect the people but also turn on us with violence right and so you know our sheriffs are going to be the last to go because they they're elected and so the you know herbert and cox can't fire the sheriffs and so they're taking a stand and they're you know making a moral stand about the oath that they took and whatever it's the cops you got to watch out for and yeah. it's already happening we, we had a protest yesterday at alpine school district and uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dallin Anderson was arrested. He's sitting in the Spanish Fork jail right now. Um, and all he did is hold the door open as people were trying to go in. And they, the police decided that he can't hold the door open because he was letting in people without masks.
2: Oh, my so, gosh. I don't even know. That's what to the say. kind of thing that's going on. Uh, I'm just I'm so astounded. And, you know, a lot of people... They give money to a lot of different things, and the political parties is one. And my message this year has been stop giving money to the political parties. It's worthless. You're throwing your money away Um, because we both know that they both play both sides. Take your money and put it into lawsuits for people like what you just experienced, what the gentleman in Spanish Fork is experiencing, so that they have legal recourse and they don't feel like they're out there alone. And some brilliant person out there really needs to start a GoFundMe but in a different way, and this would be to go and fund people that are trying to fight the system and doing it in the court of law, which I feel is the right way to do it, uh, because we still have a constitution. Last time I checked, it's still in play, and so we should be funding lawsuits like crazy right now. If you had a bunch of people that were helping you um, with funding, and everybody put in twenty, fifty bucks to help you, you could actually go after and 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 really kind of uh, stake a claim on. You know what? People are going to fight you because people are going to gather, and they're going to have money to do it, and we're going to fight this in court. Um, I don't know of any other recourse right now, but I think somebody should do this, please. You know, it's just insanity.
3: Yeah, I've been I've been a part of uh, organizing a class action lawsuit of small business owners in Utah against right. uh, against the government who has illegally and unconstitutionally, um, is, you know in states like michigan and california they're getting a bullet to the brain right mm-hmm. or, or illinois where they're just shutting them down in right. herbert and cox know that they have to function a little bit differently in utah and most utahns are asleep to the fact that our small businesses our small and mid-sized businesses are privately owned businesses will not survive the winter when they are in for they're ordered to stay in 40 percent of capacity that's that may not be a bullet to the brain but it's it's, it's death all the same by poisoning. It's just a slower death. And if and if you don't believe me, go talk to some small business owners. I mean, I've been a small business owner for my, almost my entire adult life. I've owned a business mm-hmm. since I was 19, and I'm me too. 53 yeah. now. And yeah. I so, love it. You know, the, the small business owners know this. They know that their days are numbered. And so I've been organizing Utah small businesses on. So my website is TakeActionForFreedom.com. Mm-hmm. and there's a coalition that we're working on there. So take action for freedom.com slash coalition. We're getting the business owners to go put their name and information in there so that we can stand behind them because we're going to stand up for them. I feel, you know, the personal risks that I'm taking, I feel are, well spent, and mm-hmm. um, the risks I'm taking with my own safety and my own—you know—somebody asks yeah. me that every single day. Right. They say, "Are you worried about your safety?" And I'm like, "You know what? There's 20 things I'm more worried about than my safety. Yeah. I'm I'm expendable. I mm-hmm. I raised my children to adulthood. They're all flying. They're in college or older. And so that's what I'm for. That's my purpose now. And everything else I've done is just been to um, prepare me for." For this fight. And I realize like with people with small children, they they really have to make that their first priority. So it's my job to fight for them because Mm -hmm. they have to, they have to take care of their little ones. I don't. So I stand in a lightning bolt because somebody has to.
2: Yeah. I, and, and my hat's off to you. A lot of respect, Robin. Because, And I'm talking with Robin Openshaw, Green Smoothie Girl. Um, and I, my hat's off to you. Because um, if uh, we need people to stand firm. And if you feel like the, the mob is getting angrier and you feel like you're alone, please don't. There are many, many people out there that um, are behind you. And more people agree with you, even silently, than you think. And takeactionforfreedom.com. People need to go there and be part of this. We need to start short. That up. That's where our attention needs to turn to is to help people fight this. I said long ago that 100 businesses in every single city have to make a pact with each other that no matter what, they will stay open, they will conduct business, no matter what the government tries to do and how uncomfortable they try to make us to take that damn vaccine, which I'm not taking. Um, but I I think that if we had 100 100 businesses in every city do that, they can't go after all of those businesses. They won't. But we have to start banning together to try to to try to combat this.
3: We do. And we're behind the power curve. I mean, this this was clearly engineered a long time ago. And if you don't believe me, you can just go to the World Economic Forum website and you will see 200 different nodes. And each of those 200 nodes has 200 links and COVID's is at the center of all of it. And they certainly didn't just slap that together since March. It's Really, really obvious. They're starting to not care mm-hmm. anymore if I people know. figure it out because we've been we've been so dumb and and let this thing go to this point that they're getting very bold. I mean, I'm sure you've seen Klaus Schwab has come out with his video and talking mm-hmm. about how when they take away yep. our rights to own private property, we'll all be happy. He's selling us yeah. on that we'll be happy when we are stripped of. Yeah, um, everything that makes Americans and everything we've worked for our whole lives. And and guess what? There's 43 percent of us, I think, mm-hmm. in the United States on the dole in some form. So yep. maybe at least 43 well, hey. percent of us are going to be cheering. Yeah. I hey, don't know. The, maybe a lot of people will be excited about that.
2: The U.N. Uh, just came out the U.N. and told us that we we should be super happy. We're going to be made to love eating bugs for protein. That's nice. I like bugs, for sure. Well, yeah, just pop a cockroach in your mouth. Fun. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. And these things are being said. This isn't theory anymore. I, I wish people would, would get that memo, but um, people are, are slow to the curb, I guess. And I really appreciate what you're doing, because if we don't if we don't stand behind each other, then we lose, because we can't be a threat to them at all, and we can be a threat in the courtroom we could be a threat as as a group of people that are peacefully protesting we can show up we can even if the press doesn't doesn't acknowledge we're there or continuously undermines the numbers of people that show up to the protests like they always do we can still show up and you know what there will be pictures on social media uh, to show the events um so takeactionforfreedom.com anything else you'd like the you'd like the the good people of Utah to know in this last 30 seconds robin
3: Yeah, I just want to say that I think if three people had said to Brandon, hey, that's not fair, you shouldn't be deplaning us, and why are you bullying these people? Let them get to see their family. I think if three people had said something to him, the entire outcome would have been changed, and we would have felt the people who did speak up would have felt empowered, and I hope that we all take that that challenge.
2: Amen, and everyone on that plane would have heard people stand up for you, and the momentum that could have created, like you just said, that momentum could have been... totally changed uh, the direction of that whole event. Oh, I'm still so blown away. Robin Openshaw, the Green Smoothie Girl, so glad to finally get you on my show. And uh, we're going to be doing more shows together. I can see it in our future. (laughs) Can't wait. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for being a voice. Uh, Man, isn't she amazing. Okay, folks, I want to add this into this podcast recording because I realized uh, from a listener that we didn't finish the story. How did she get home, right? Uh, She told me that they got a hotel, and here she lives in Florida. And uh, Robin rented a car the next day and drove home to Florida all day on Thanksgiving. Um, They actually were banned on Delta. (laughs) Delta.
9: Hi, guys, it's Andrew. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, there are- Deli show.
17: You know, the real miracle of Christmas is that any religious significance remains. Despite the gaudy tinsel wrapping, the meaning of the Christ mass remains somehow intact. And though our eager eyes now search the skies for man-made stars we yet remember best the one which once upon a time stood still over a stable. This is the miracle of Christmas. Not that so many profane the day with self-indulgence, but that so many still trudge through the snow to an early service or a midnight mass. If after generations of effort we still tend to disparage the day, what do you suppose would happen if we instead renewed it? There are no more lengths to which we can go to dilute its significance. Perhaps we should revert to reverence. Or if this magic day, despite the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, has somehow survived and thrived, my goodness, with proper care and tending, the love it represents might heal all of our hurts. The faith we could not starve to death, properly fed just once each year, might overwhelm the world. Anyway, we've tried everything else. The revitalization of Christmas will be as tedious as its erosion was gradual, but there is no better time than right now because it's later than it's ever been where do we begin with prayerful thankfulness i think merry christmas we traditionally say to one another merry christmas yet that's not the larger meaning of the day it's his birthday not ours
2: i love that amen to that amen (laughs) welcome Kate daly show here Happy to have you listening. Uh, let's Christmas it up a bit, shall we? Um, uh, let me play some really great recordings for you, and uh, maybe you can share these with your family Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, um, and, and bring, I don't know, shed some more light. Shed some more light. Do you have any, uh, do you have any Christmas traditions, Uncle Miltie, that you did with your families? Family. I'm just saying not your multiple ones.
18: I, I don't not, not anything, really, that... Uh, Stands out. Other than going... To, we used to go to Midnight Mass. Yeah. That uh, was the big thing, going yeah. to Mid... Because... An hour before mass, everybody's singing Christmas mm-hmm. carols, and mm-hmm. it's a long.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah it's a it a long, long
18: duration to go to midnight mass. Yes. But that was the main one yeah. over see, the years. I
2: belong to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints, but I actually went to mass last year just to check it out and see. I hadn't been for thirty years. I went one night thirty years thirty years ago when I was up in Seattle, and uh, and I actually I thought it was really nice.
4: Half
18: the people nice at church at the midnight mass are LDS.
2: <laughs> really? Huh, well, I'm not. Hey, you never know. I mean, I thought it was—I just thought it was really neat. Well, it's um, a beautiful man. It really is. So. It's—it is. It's, it's, it it's really—it's really worth going to. And. Uh, um, and I our, as far as our tradition my tradition growing up was that we read through Luke we read the story and uh, of Christ's birth and we had statues that that we had out as the nativity scene and so that and so then we would want to be the statues and reenact the statues through the story on the floor and my dad would cut out a star and he'd put it on a flashlight and shine it up on the ceiling oh. and that was the star and it was really fun really really fun we'd turn out some of the other lights and while that star was up and it was just a really fun um, way to celebrate Christmas Eve and uh, we've done all kinds of things um, you know with our family Uh, growing up we've always read the nativity story and and uh, the story about his birth and I love this story by Paul Harvey let me play this for you Uh, this is just a keeper you'll love this it's called uh, the man and the birds and there's just some stories just get you this is one of them that just gets to me every year I love it 1965 Paul Harvey here you go
17: The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man he told his wife i'm truly sorry to distress you but i'm just not going with you to church this christmas eve he said he'd feel like a hypocrite that he'd much rather just stay home but that he would wait up for them so he stayed and they went to the midnight service now shortly after the family drove away in the car snow began to fall he went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier then he went back to his fireside chair began to read his newspaper minutes later he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow. They had been caught in the storm. In a desperate search for shelter, they had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide. And inside the barn he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow, making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To him he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them And speak their language and tell them not to be afraid then I could show them the way to the safe warm barn but I would have to be one of them wouldn't I so they could see and hear and understand at that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there listening to the bells, Adeste Fidelis, listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you and those you love, this will be a wonderfully merry Christmas.
2: Wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Every year, I absolutely love that. I also love this, too. This is the story of 1914 and Silent Night. Here you go.
19: It was Christmas Eve 1914, and all was quiet on the Western Front. How did I do that? For five months, Europe had been torn apart in what was touted as the war to end wars. The Allies, France, Great Britain, Italy, and Russia, had already engaged the central powers of Austria-Hungary, Germany, and the Ottoman Empire, and bitter battles. New levels of mass carnage took place on the battlefield, courtesy of such modern marvels as machine guns, mustard gas, and land mines. Now winter had arrived, bringing with it frostbite and hypothermia, the curse of every ill-clad German or British soldier unlucky enough to be shivering in the icy trenches along Germany's border with France and Belgium. A collective sadness swelled across the isolated forest that Christmas Eve that night from the German trenches, a familiar tune floated over the battlefield. The British soldiers, hunkered down in their foxholes a quarter mile away, answered. The German army, not to be outdone, began decorating evergreen trees on the hillside by lighting candles in their branches. Before long, an informal ceasefire, inspired by soldiers at war, blossomed into a formal truce. Arms were dropped as both German and British soldiers embraced in a neutral zone called No Man's Land. Soon thousands of these soldiers were swapping insignias, kicking soccer balls, and exchanging holiday cards one British soldier wrote home to explain his disbelief over what had just transpired. Just you think that while you were eating your turkey, I was out talking and shaking hands with the very men I'd been trying to kill a few hours before. It was astounding. Never before or since has a complete truce been honored in wartime to celebrate Christmas. Although the killing resumed on December 26, the newspapers in London and Berlin headlined stories about the power of peace in wartime. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, best known for Sherlock Holmes' whodunits, deemed the Christmas truce an amazing spectacle, believing history would honor it as one human episode amid all the atrocities which have stained the memory of war. It would be foolish, however, to attach some overweening lesson to be learned from the Christmas truce, but over the years, every time I hear a church choir or country crooner sing Silent Night, I think back to World War I, when for a moment, a battlefield became a place of peace.
20: Night, holy wow.
2: I think only Christmas can do that. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure only Christmas can do that. Um uh, especially during this time Can you even imagine being on the on the field At that time when that was going on no. And not be touched by that Just amazing Anyway, story always warms my heart uh, We're going to come right back uh, A couple of more I need to share with you And uh, and maybe Uncle Milty will share a memory or two Who knows <laughs> We'll be right back On the Kate Daly Show A couple days before Christmas Be right back
10: like to work for one of the fastest growing companies in Southern Utah. Balance of nature employs more than 200 local individuals and plans to double that number over the next six months. We have always been a locally owned and operated company, and we never want to leave this area of Southern Utah by supplying our whole food products directly to individuals online or over the phone. Balance of nature has served over a half a billion servings of fruits and vegetables. Balance of nature helps real people. Be a part of something that's making a difference. Be a part of Balance of Nature. The culture here is so amazing. Everyone is so happy and helpful.
2: I enjoy my job at Balance of Nature because I'm able to help people
11: improve their lives. I have only been here for six months, and I can see a path for me
10: to move up in the company. For more information or to apply, please visit our website at balanceofnature.com.
6: Nicely done, beef. From London broils and French dips, to New York strips and Texas briskets. Who knew you were so well-traveled? Yeah, you're what's for dinner, and it's always dinner somewhere. Bring everyone back to the table and get cooking at beef. It's what's for dinner.com.
20: Southern Utah's premier eye care center. The Zion Eye Institute understands your vision is precious, and they're dedicated to helping you achieve and keep your best vision possible. 2020 is the year of vision, and the Zion Eye Institute is giving you a chance to win the gift of sight. Just go to zioneye.com or Zion Eye's Facebook page and write a short essay telling us about someone you know that deserves the gift of sight, LASIK eye surgery. At the Zion Eye Institute, their highly trained team of doctors and are excited to help you see the world in all its splendor. Zion Eye Institute has specialists to cover every area of eye care and eye surgery. They can provide you with all forms of vision correction surgery from multiple highly skilled and experienced fellowship-trained surgeons using advanced techniques individually or in combination with each other. The Zion Eye Institute, the largest and most comprehensive eye care center in southern Utah. Schedule your appointment today at zioneye.com.
8: That's ZionEye.com. Hey, we've got Andrew Reinhart with Wasatch Medical Clinic on the phone with us today. What's so very interesting, guys, is Wasatch Medical Clinic has a breakthrough in scientifically proven treatment for your ED. That's right. The solution does not require any pills, no injections, no surgery. Yes, a proven treatment for ED. Andrew, please tell us more.
9: That's right. This treatment is called acoustic wave therapy, and it's all about the blood flow. It's clinically shown to regrow blood vessels, which means we're finally treating the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. And the bottom line, normal function in the bedroom, the spontaneity back into the relationship.
8: Oh, that sounds pretty good. Now, what kind of results, uh, Andrew, are you seeing with these treatments now?
9: We have treated thousands of men all over the country, young, old, with every kind of health condition. Keep in mind, there are over 40 clinical studies that have been done on this technology, including from Cambridge, concluding that it is safe and effective.
8: That's a pretty big name, Cambridge. Okay, Andrew, how about a special offer just for our listeners for today?
9: Yes, if you are struggling with erectile dysfunction and you want to get that intimacy back, call us now. We're going to give away a lot for free, the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, no charge. We'll also throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. I don't think I've ever seen that fail. It's a $500 value, free to those that call now. Okay, I'm really
8: sure that Andrew said free for those who call now, so you heard it, guys, free. Pick up that phone, call right now for that free exam. That uh, phone number is 435-922-7000. Write it down, 435 435- Nine two two seven thousand. that's four three five nine two two seven thousand. The new 2020 Lincoln Nautilus
13: at Ken Garf St. George Lincoln offers a standard 2.0 liter turbocharged I-4 engine and an available 2.7 liter V6 twin turbocharged engine. With varying horsepower, you can choose the engine that best suits your performance needs, helping you to make your drive uniquely your own. Right now, you get 0% for 60 months, $1,000 bonus cash, and a $1,000 loyalty cash on the new 2020 Lincoln Nautilus. Ken Garf St. George Ford Lincoln. We hear you. On approved credit through Lincoln AFS Financing OAC. See dealer for details.
2: Welcome back to The Kate Daly Show. I uh, want to play for you now, uh, of course, The Care Package by Leonard Lee Smith. This was an interesting story about a grandparent's love and how they can bring this at Christmas time. Here you go.
15: It was Christmas time, 1974. I was 10 years old, but I wasn't looking forward to Christmas that year. The previous spring, my mother and the man who was to become my stepfather when all the divorces had been finalized and he and my mother could marry, had moved us from rural central Alabama to sunny Southern California. My brother and I were leaving behind our father and all our extended family. This would be my first Christmas away from Alabama. My beautiful and elegant mother took to California like a swan to a royal lake. My soon-to-be stepfather was a California native. My very athletic little brother reveled in a temperate climate that allowed him to be outside 11 months of the year. I, however, was a fat, awkward child with a high-pitched voice and a heavy southern accent. I was having extreme difficulty with the transition to a West Coast lifestyle. My first day at my new school, I walked to the front of my fourth grade class to introduce myself. All I said was my name and where I was from, and the class erupted in laughter, with jeers of, he talks funny and he has a weird accent. It took the teacher nearly two full minutes to restore order, and she was angry at me for having caused a disruption. (laughs) I was so disillusioned after that first day that instead of walking home after school I went to a nearby gas station and used a phone booth there to try and place a collect call to Granny Smith, my paternal grandmother. She was my biggest ally. I was going to ask her if I could return to Alabama and live with her and if she would send me the money for a bus ticket home. But despite several attempts the line was busy and I never got through. My mother was constantly encouraging, nagging, and badgering me to lose weight and always trying to help with that endeavor with whatever the latest diet craze was. She had been a fat child herself, but with puberty she had gained height and lost weight and undergone the proverbial ugly duckling transformation to become a great beauty in high school. She saw weight loss as the panacea of all problems and believed it to be the key to my happiness. She was very relieved to have me away from the annual holiday sugar binges and weight gain that my Granny Smith's cooking provided. Granny Smith was for me everything good about Christmas. Her language of love was food. She was an excellent baker and candy maker. She would cook for weeks in preparation for Christmas Eve when all of her children and grandchildren would gather at her house. Every favorite dish, dessert, and confection had been made to specification. Her table and sideboard groaned under the weight of all of the food. My brother, my cousins, and I would burst through her kitchen door brimming with anticipation. Our arrival announced by the sound of five silver bells suspended from red velvet ribbon hung on a plastic poinsettia bouquet on the door. Her house was tiny and saturated with tacky Christmas decorations and cigarette smoke. But to my childhood aesthetic, it was glorious. She sewed new pajamas for all of her grandchildren. She scoured newspaper ads, catalogs, and stores all over town to get us exactly the toys we had requested. She was interested in me and my happiness. She was my resilience. She was magical, and I missed her desperately. It was Sunday evening, and I was moping around the house, dreading Monday and the return to school. Fortunately, there was only one week left until the Christmas break. I was longing for my familiar Southern Christmas. That Thanksgiving we had spent with my stepfather's extended family. He and my mother had finally gotten married in Vegas over the summer. His family were polite, kind people, but I did not know them and fit poorly into their established routine, and I feared that Christmas would be more of the same. The phone rang. It was Granny Smith. She often took advantage of the discounted long-distance rates after 7 p.m. on Sundays. (laughs) She spoke with my brother Todd and I for nearly half an hour, asked us about our life and school and how things were going, assured us she had gotten the toys that we wanted and they would be there by Christmas. But before we hung up, she asked to speak to our mother This request made my brother and me very anxious. When our parents separated, they didn't so much dissolve a marriage as declare war on each other. My brother and I knew that the campaigns and battles of this war could be long and brutal. My mother considered Granny Smith to be in the enemy camp. They maintained a civil but strained relationship. My brother and I were always worried that hostilities might erupt whenever they spoke to each other. Granny Smith informed my mother that she had sent a Christmas package and that it should arrive in the coming week. My mother said, Thank you, but you didn't have to do that. It's very expensive to ship things across the country. I hope you did not have to spend a lot of money. Despite their differences, my mother understood and respected that Granny Smith was a woman of very modest means. Granny had been a widow for nearly 30 years and worked mostly menial jobs, for her money was always scarce. Granny said it wasn't very expensive at all and I was happy to do it. They exchanged polite but tense pleasantries, wished each other Merry Christmas and said goodbye, and my brother and I breathed a sigh of relief. Sure enough, on Thursday after school, the phone rang. But it wasn't the U.S. Postal Service. It was the Greyhound bus lines calling to say we had a package waiting at the bus terminal in Claremont, California. My mother said to the clerk on the phone, I didn't even know that Greyhound shipped packages. The clerk said, oh, yes, ma'am, and we're much cheaper than the Postal Service because we don't deliver door to door. We have some of the cheapest rates around. My mother was a little annoyed by this since the bus station was nearly 10 miles away. But the clerk had assured her that the bus station was open 24 hours a day and that there was someone on duty at the shipping desk around the clock. We could pick the package up at any time. So after supper, we drove to the bus station. We went in to see the clerk. He confirmed that we had a package. And then he said to my mother, You can pull your car around into the loading bay. My mother said, what for? He said, oh, the package is too large to hand over the counter. My mother said, are you sure you've got the right package? This irritated the clerk, and he leaned over the counter and addressed my brother and me and said, are you guys Lee and Todd Smith? We nodded and said, yes, sir. He said, then this package is for you. I'll meet you around back. We drove around to the loading bay, and the shipping clerk came to our car with a hand truck carrying a heavily reinforced cardboard box large enough to hold a dishwasher or small refrigerator. (laughs) He said this barely makes it inside the maximum freight dimensions and weight restrictions as he hoisted the box into our trunk and went to get some twine to tie the trunk lid closed. My brother and I were giddy with anticipation on the drive home wondering what the box contained. Our mother was not in such a good humor. She knew her ex-mother-in-law well and was suspicious of the box. When we got home, we had to go inside and get our stepfather. The box was too heavy for us to get out of the trunk. He grunted and complained as he sat the box down in the living room and said, What the hell did she send, a jeweler safe? My brother and I tore into the box and the smell of our granny's house wafted into the air. A combination of fried meat, grease, furniture polish, and cigarette smoke. (laughs) There beneath wadded newspaper and Excelsior was our Southern Christmas. There were presents wrapped in colorful paper and bows to go under the tree. Neatly folded in brown paper was a new set of pajamas for both of us. There were also two five count packs of Fruit of the Loom underwear in the appropriate sizes for us both. There was a countless number of decorative tins and repurposed Cool Whip containers. We opened them to find mounds of homemade Christmas treats, divinity, fudge, boiled chocolate cookies, parched peanuts, a massive container of nuts and bolts, which is what Southerners call homemade Chex party mix, but to which no prepackaged packaged Chex party mix will ever compare... A whole fruit cake, a chocolate pound cake, she even included our traditional stocking stuffers of candy bars, chewing gum, citrus fruits and pecans and walnuts in the shell. The box was as bottomless as Mary Poppins satchel. As every sugary confection came out of the box, my brother and I shrieked with delight and our mother moaned in defeat. (laughs) Mother tried a last ditch effort to hide all the confections and dole them out a few at a time, but each evening when our stepfather arrived home, he would begin to search for them and our mother's scheme would be thwarted. <laughs> Eventually, she just gave up and left it all out on the kitchen counter. Each Christmas that we spent in California, Greyhound would call and say that our package had arrived. Over the years, many treasures arrived in the box, hand-crocheted afghans, an heirloom family quilt, homemade Christmas decorations, a check to help with the purchase of my first car. For me, it was always the best part of Christmas. Even after I moved out of the house, the box continued to arrive. My friends and roommates at college were always astounded and delighted by the contents of the box my grandmother was able to package and ship magic and love. Granny is long gone and missed more each year. Since her death, I have discovered in conversations with my cousins that Granny came to the rescue of all of her grandchildren at one time or another, softening what would have been hard and harmful emotional landings. She did it in such a way that we each thought we were her favorite. (laughs) Granny had endured a sad and difficult childhood with a mother who suffered from mental illness. She understood the importance of a child having an ally when a parent fails them. Each year, a few days after Thanksgiving, I hang Granny's plastic poinsettia bouquet with the bells on my front door to announce the arrival of holiday guests. I have mastered many of her recipes and last year finally managed a very respectable batch of divinity. When the Christmas season arrives, I lovingly remember Granny and cherish the magic and resilience she gave me. And during the holiday season, when I see a Greyhound bus on the highway, I think to myself, in the belly of that machine may travel some child's Christmas.
2: Is, uh, Leonard Lee Smith, and uh, and maybe some of you can relate to that story in numerous ways. Uh, a couple of the things he talked about resonated with me, and and uh, you know, Christmas is about so many things, but it's also about those traditions and about love and about what um, what you get to feel around that time. It's why it's so popular. Yep. Yeah, it's why it's stayed that way. You relate to any of that in there? Yeah.
18: You know i had kind of a different childhood i know
2: you did i um, know you did
18: (laughs) sometimes yes
2: Uh, yeah okay right right when we come back uh we'll be back in just a few minutes hope you're all having a a great start to a christmas week be right back we're live today and uh we'll take your calls too when we come on back
5: every home
11: Hey, it's Casey at Garage Doors Only. Thank you for voting us the best garage door company in Southern Utah for the second year in a row. We appreciate your vote of confidence. At Garage Doors Only, we specialize in garage doors and make sure that your garage doors are in the best possible working order. We take the time to show you options and accessories. Let us help you select the perfect door for your style and budget. Call us at 435-868-1200 or come see us at our showroom at 689 North Bluff.
21: This is Dr. Red, chiropractic physician with Red River Health and Wellness. Are you suffering with fatigue, brain fog, headaches, intestinal issues, weight gain, and you haven't been able to find any answers?
11: I was struggling with constantly being hot, um, struggling with not sleeping, being able to fall asleep, stay asleep, or even wake up the next morning. I had very high levels of inflammation and um, memory loss. Memory loss was the, the scariest part.
21: Red River Health and Wellness can help you. The
11: sleep improved my memory. My memory is coming back every time I remember something, I still get really excited. I go walking every morning now, which I've never done before. I've always really wanted to be that type of person that wakes up early enough to enjoy the sunrise. I get to do that every morning now.
21: Our goal is to teach you and educate you so you know how to manage your condition a lot more effectively and you know what to do and what not to do for the rest of your life. With our satisfaction guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Call for a free consultation or visit our website at redriverhealthandwellness.com Call
1: Red River
21: today.
10: It's time to come home for the holidays at the locally owned and operated Ashley Home Store. We're talking about Happy Holly Savings. Save up to 20% on your entire purchase or get 60 months special financing, no minimum purchase. These are just the tip of the holiday savings. Christmas dinner will be better and more festive around a Whitesburg five-piece dining room set for just $4.28. Holiday movie night is more fun and comfy on a Darcy sofa in a variety of colors for just 2 dollars Enjoy the games more with the Bladen two-piece sectional for just $7.99. Get the entire family sleeping peacefully with great mattress deals on top-selling brands. Shop the Ashley Sleep Center and get special financing for a limited time. All accessories are on sale, too, including seasonal decor items. Plus, look for the special orange and yellow tags throughout the store for even bigger savings. The locally owned and operated Ashley Home Store on East Redcliffe Drive, next to the Pineview Stadium 10. All financing OAC. See store for details.
8: We've got Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic on the phone with us today. Wasatch Medical, if you haven't heard, they've got a breakthrough in scientifically proven treatment for ED. Guys, listen up. This solution does not require any pills, no injections, no surgery. Andrew, what can you tell us about this treatment?
9: That's right. We finally have a breakthrough for erectile dysfunction to get the intimacy back into the relationship it's called acoustic wave therapy now it's clinically shown to open up and regrow blood vessels in this part of the body which means we can restore normal and natural function the key word of the day spontaneity back into the
8: bedroom whoa that sounds pretty good now you're using something called acoustic wave therapy is that
9: right It's acoustic wave therapy, kind of looks like an ultrasound machine. It's placed on the skin, non-invasive, doesn't hurt, and a treatment only takes about 10 minutes.
8: And the treatments are working.
9: They are working. We have treated thousands of men all over the country. Keep in mind, Cambridge even studied this technology and concluded it is safe and highly effective. That's
8: impressive. All right, Andrew, how about a special offer for our listeners just for today?
9: Yes, if you or your man are struggling with erectile dysfunction, let's put a stop to it. We're going to give away a lot for free today. Call us right now. If you do, the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, it will be free. We'll also throw in a little special gift. You'll love this. It produces instant results in the bedroom. Now, this is a $500 value. It's totally free to those that call now.
8: All right, you heard it, guys. Pick up that phone. Call right now for that free exam at 435 922 435 922 One more time 435 922
2: show is previously recorded.
8: Talk lines are open now.
0: Call 888-673-1450 This is the Kate Daly Show.
20: The stars are bright.
2: live show before Christmas, and... uh... You know, through the years, I've played a lot of recordings and have done a lot on uh, Christmas. I actually played um, the uh, Falk uh, story, the famous Christmas story, that when I play every year. I played it last week on Wednesday, and that is on podcast. It's just a nine-minute, uh, it's a 13-minute podcast. Make sure and grab that. Uh, it's such a wonderful story in the way that uh, John Henry Falk talks about it, tells it, that it is not to be missed uh, during this Christmas season. I welcome back Uncle Miltie's with me. Hi there, and "Oh uh, uh, Holy Night." By the way, "Oh Holy Night" uh, was the very in nineteen oh six was the very first broadcast over the radio. Uh, the the gentleman played um, "Oh Holy Night" on the violin and also read from the gospel according to Luke. (laughs) Uncle Miltie and I were just having this conversation. Uh, I read from uh, Luke chapter 2 from his Bible, and uh, and that was the first recording that ever went out. The uh, the song written by a poet in France in 1847, but in 1906, on Christmas Eve, it was the very, very first uh, recording that ever went out on the uh, airwaves. Uh, He didn't even know that anyone was listening or could hear him. When he did this, he was just tinkering in his office. He was only 33 years old, and uh, he was a, a 33-year-old university professor named Reginald Fessenden, and uh, he played Oh uh, Holy Night" on his violin. I think that's pretty apropos. I think it's pretty neat that yeah. that's, that yeah, was the yeah. case. You know, um, favorite uh, uh, favorite memory at Christmas? Favorite something or other at Christmas, Uncle Miltie?
18: You know, a a, a big thing in my family, mm-hmm. when I was real young, my grandmother would read mm-hmm. Dickens.
2: Oh, yeah.
18: A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. That was always a big thing. Sure. Um. And then it, we started watching the movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
18: And... I can only watch one version of that movie. I don't really? like, I don't enjoy like all any of the other. Remakes?
2: Mm-hmm. The
18: only one is the 1951 version with Alistair Sim as a Ebenezer Scrooge.
2: Mm. What do you like about that one?
18: Yeah, it just...
2: That's it for you? That's the story?
18: It is the story. It doesn't have any of the... Mm-hmm. You know, over time, from the 1950s on, mm-hmm. we started looking at things a little differently here and there, mm-hmm. and the newer versions show that change, and the the original Alistair Sim movie is is exactly like reading the book. I mean, it's just oh, almost perfect. Yeah. So it makes a huge difference. But there was a couple of versions on this past week, and I I was disappointed because the night they did the Alistair Sim version, I wasn't able Mm. to watch it. So Mm. I haven't seen it come up again.
2: But that's been a tradition of yours.
18: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
18: That's a biggie for me.
2: And uh, It's a Wonderful Life?
18: Always. 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 (laughs) I have that recorded, so I always have that
2: to watch. I love that. Uh, one of the things about my faith, I don't really sh- usually share a lot on this national show, but, um, but the uh, Book of Mormon, for a lot of people that don't know, it, it's, it's really, truly about uh, 600 years before Christ and the foretelling that he was going to be born across the pond and uh, from people here. And as uh, they were discussing anew of his impending arrival, um, the book is about that and so for us christmas time is very very special because it was forecast here as it was there and um and the fact that that's that you know this book's been around a long time. It's never been disproven. This was a, a record of the people here. And I, I just find that even more so adds to the Christmas story for me because uh, his birth was that important that uh, they were even prophesizing about it 600 years before he came. And, and re- really preparing everybody. That's what that's about. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't realize that. They probably have never read it or don't understand you know, what it's really about, but, um, but it is, and I'm uh, so grateful for that and what it means in my life. Um, and so uh, faith is a huge, huge important part of my life. I, I wouldn't be here without my faith, and I think you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's probably really important about this holiday. And I love Paul Harvey in the very beginning talking about the fact that you know, we've moved away from the real meaning of this, and this really is about his birthday, not ours. It's his birthday. Sometimes we forget that, and I love the lesson that's told in that because I, we really do have to remember and teach our children um, that it's really about him, and that that it really comes down to uh, Christ, uh, the Savior, being born. That's it. That's why we're all gathering. So, um, and why this? I think this day just continues to be that special for people, truly um all right i'll take a a call real quick hi caller welcome to the show go right ahead well good afternoon hi Hi. there hi Hi. there go right ahead
4: um i milty i agree with you uh about the christmas carol Mm -hmm. um (laughs) my i that's a a tradition of of our family as well Mm -hmm. we watch two versions of that i i will admit that i have not ever seen the The uh, 51 version that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and I think I'll have to to check that out. Uh But uh, the one that we watch is the one with George C. Scott, Mm -hmm. and then we also watch The Muppets. Muppets
18: (laughs) And I've seen those, too. Yeah,
4: yeah. And that you know, my grandkids, for example, that that's a tradition that we've you mm-hmm. know set with them. You know, Christmas Eve when we're around them, sure. you know, we're we're always sitting down to watch the Muppet Christmas Carol. And, well, thank and you. Like yep. And Thanks. I actually have. Um, mm-hmm. It was only just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when I first read the story itself. Mm. I've never read the Christmas Carol until just a couple of years ago. Oh, interesting! And I really, really enjoyed the story.
2: Thank it, you. Yep. Thank you for that. Really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah we do too. And and uh, it's always a classic. All the versions and everything.
18: Oh yeah, I love it. That, but the one, the version I like. I think it really makes you feel like you're in that time period mm-hmm. more than any other by far.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have, yeah, I agree. In fact, they have the truth about the, the real Ebenezer Scrooge. Who was Tiny Tim? Where did the Cratchits really live? There's a whole backstory to that, and it's really, really intriguing, too. You can find that online. Um, you know the weird scene in the pawnbrokers shop there's all kinds of scenes uh, that are that are explained mm-hmm. um, into um, into people that from from real life so I always find that kind of interesting too um, lots or tra- lots of traditions I should say I wanted to um, play this quick one for you this was a Christmas in 1949 and I love this one too uh, this is just uh, three and a half minutes here we go I love I love the telling of this because it really is what Christmas is truly about if you really think about it and I love the story about um, when they recorded in the in the in the very beginning of the 1900s what public education was and the kids were actually making things to go in Santa's bag. Santa didn't deliver them presents; they delivered presents to Santa. Santa took them away in his red bag to give to kids that were that didn't have anything. Right. And I, I just there's something that we've switched, you know, about Christmas. But three and a half minutes. Here we go. The Christmas of 1949. Here
22: you go. A light drizzle was falling as my sister Jill and I ran out of the Methodist Church, eager to get home and play with the presents that Santa had left for us and our baby sister, Sharon. Across the street from the church was a Pan-American gas station where the Greyhound bus stopped. It was closed for Christmas, but I noticed a family standing outside the locked door, huddled under the narrow overhang in an attempt to keep dry. I wondered briefly why they were there, but then forgot about them as I raced to keep up with Jill. Once we got home, there was barely time to enjoy our presents. We had to go off to our grandparents' house for our annual Christmas dinner. As we drove down the highway through town, I noticed that the family was still there, standing outside the closed gas station. My father was driving very slowly down the highway. The closer we got to the turnoff from my grandparents' house, the slower the car went. Suddenly, my father U-turned in the middle of the road and said, I can't stand it what asked my mother it's those people back there at the pan am standing in the rain they've got children it's Christmas I can't stand it when my father pulled into the service station I saw that there were five of them the parents and three children two girls and a small boy my father rolled down his window Merry Christmas he said howdy the man replied he was very tall and had to stoop slightly to peer into the car Jill, Sharon, and I stared at the children, and they stared back at us. "'You waiting on the bus?' my father asked. The man said that they were. They were going to Birmingham, where he had a brother and prospects of a job. "'Well, that bus isn't going to come along for several hours, and you're getting wet standing there. Windborne's just a couple miles up the road. "'They've got a shed with a cover there and some benches,' my father said. "'Why don't you all get in the car, and I'll run you up there?' man thought for a moment and then he beckoned to his family they climbed into the car they had no luggage only the clothes they were wearing once they were settled in my father looked back over his shoulder and asked the children if santa had found them yet three glum faces mutely gave him the answer Well, I didn't think so, my father said, winking at my mother, because when I saw Santa this morning, he told me he was having trouble finding y'all, and he asked me if he could leave your toys at my house. We'll just go get them before I take you to the bus stop. All at once, the three children's faces lit up, and they began to bounce around in the back seat, laughing and chattering. When we got out of the car at our house, the three children ran through the front door and straight to the toys that were spread out under our Christmas tree. One of the girls spied Jill's doll and immediately hugged it to her breast. I remember that the little boy grabbed Sharon's ball, and the other girl picked up something of mine. All this happened a long time ago, but the memory of it remains clear. This was the Christmas when my sisters and I learned the joy of making others happy. My mother noticed that the middle child was wearing a short-sleeved dress, so she gave the girl Jill's only sweater to wear. My father invited them to join us at our grandparents' for Christmas dinner, but the parents refused. Even when we all tried to talk them into coming, they were firm in their decision. Back in the car on the way to Winborn, my father asked the man if he had money for bus fare. His brother had sent tickets, the man said. My father reached into his pocket and pulled out $2, which was all he had left until his next payday. He pressed the money into the man's hand. The man tried to give it back, but my father insisted. It'll be late when you get to Birmingham, and these children will be hungry before then. Take it. I've been broke before, and I know what it's like when you can't feed your family. We left them there at the bus stop in Winborn. As we drove away, I watched out the window as long as I could, looking back at the little girl hugging her new doll.
2: Wow. Nice.
18: That, uh, that's a really touching story. It is. And it's one of the gifts that we've lost a lot of. It's been diluted yeah, due to okay. forced giving.
2: I so agree with that. I so agree with that. I was watching everybody gather their list frantically, mm. uh, shopping over the weekend and everybody, you know, you could tell it was like a check mark on the list, you know, yeah. I've got so and so, I've got so and so, I've got so and so and the frantic faces. And I thought to myself, sometimes we've, we've really lost that. I was thinking the same thing over the weekend. It's kind of funny that you'd say that, but it really is, you know, the only Christmases people ever really remember because if you ask your kids what they got last year they won't be able to tell you it's the ones where there was a sacrifice made or something just like in the telling of this 1949
18: at this time of year by
2: paul oscar every Mm -hmm. time
18: i think about going shopping to buy a gift Uh i get depressed really yeah because to me it's just not about that i yeah Who wants to sit and pull their hair out trying to figure out what to get somebody as a gift (laughs) that they might appreciate, but you don't really know? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah.
2: But uh, it really is in the giving. When Paul Oscar wrote this, that was the Christmas that came to mind. And, and I'll, I'll bet he tells that story all the time. Oh, yeah. It's always the story where a sacrifice was made. Yep. You know, my father-in-law tells the same story uh, about um, about a cow that they, him and his brother tried to sell so they could get presents for the rest of the family. And it's the same kind of thing. It's always about the sacrifice. My kids remember the, the Christmases where we delivered presents to another family anonymously. That's the part they remember the most. Yep. And, uh, and I sure hope that we, give, we, we keep up the giving. Because it's the giving, it's the sacrificing. Otherwise, what does it really mean? Because it's his birthday, not ours, you know? That's uh, right. And uh, I love that Paul Harvey said that. I, I wish all of you a Merry Christmas. We'll be back after the holidays. But I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to you, Uncle Miltie. Thanks for being my, my co-host on this show.
18: I love it. Well, I love being you're here good with at it.
2: Men. You're good at it. What can I say? And, uh, and I'm just so grateful to him. And I'm grateful to all of you. Thank you for all your continued support. Thank you for donations to the show. Thank you for just being you. I really appreciate and gleam off of all of you. And I really do hope that we have such a, a happy Christmas and New Year's and that we kind of forget about politics for the next little while and concentrate on what's important.
4: Amen.
18: <laughs>
2: Merry Christmas to all of you. I'll put this up on podcast for you. And uh, thanks, Uncle Milty.
18: Thank you. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.
2: You too. Everybody, have a great one. Be faithful. Be fearless. See you back here after the holidays.
9: Hi, guys. It's Andrew. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction,
0: there are... Starving for Wisdom. The Kate Deli Show starts now.
17: You know, the real miracle of Christmas is that any religious significance remains. Despite the gaudy tinsel wrapping, the meaning of the Christ mass remains somehow intact. Though our eager eyes now search the skies for man-made stars we yet remember best the one which once upon a time stood still over a stable. This is the miracle of Christmas. Not that so many profane the day with self-indulgence, but that so many still trudge through the snow to an early service or a midnight mass. If after generations of effort we still tend to disparage the day, what do you suppose would happen if we instead renewed it? There are no more lengths to which we can go to dilute its significance. Perhaps we should revert to reverence. For if this magic day, despite the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, has somehow survived and thrived, my goodness, with proper care and tending, the love it represents might heal all of our hurts. The faith we could not starve to death, properly fed just once each year, might overwhelm the world. Anyway, we've tried everything else. The revitalization of Christmas will be as tedious as its erosion was gradual, but there's no better time than right now because it's later than it's ever been where do we begin with prayerful thankfulness i think merry christmas we traditionally say to one another merry christmas yet that's not the larger meaning of the day it's his birthday not ours
2: Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. This show is pre-recorded. This is the um, uh, the John Henry Falk Christmas story uh, that I play every year and always puts a tear in my eye no matter, no matter what. Here you go.
14: The day after Christmas a number of years ago, I was driving down a country road in Texas and it was a bitter cold, cold morning and walking ahead of me on the gravel road was a little barefooted boy with nondescript ragged overalls and a makeshift sleeve of a sweater tied around his little ears I stopped and picked him up looked like he was about twelve years old and his little feet were blue with the cold he's carrying an orange And he got in and had the brightest blue eyes one ever saw, and he turned a bright smile on my face and said, I'm going down the road about two miles to my cousin's. I want to show him my orange old Sandy Claus brought me. Well, I wasn't going to mention Christmas to him because I figured he came from a family that kind of don't have Christmas. But he brought it up himself. He said, did old Sandy Claus come to see you, mister? And I said, yes, we had a real nice Christmas at our house, and I hope you had the same. He paused for a moment, looked at me, and then with all the sincerity in the world said, Mr., we had the wonderful Christmas in the United States down to our place. Lordy, it was the first one we ever had had there. See, we never do have them out there much, don't notice when Christmas time comes. We'd heard about it, but never did have one because... Uh, well, you know, it just, Papa says that old Sandy Claus, Papa Hoorah's lot, said old Sandy Claus was scared to bring his reindeer down into our section of the county because folks down there are so hard up that they liable to catch one of his reindeer and butcher him for meat. But just, just several days before Christmas, a lady come out from town and she told all the families through there, our family too that they was old sandy claus was coming town to leave some things for us and if papa would go in town he could get some christmas time for all of us and papa hooked up the mule and t- wagon. he went in town but he told us children said now don't y'all get all worked up and excited because there might not be nothing to this yarn that lady told and but she she hadn't got out of sight up the lane there we was done watching for him to come back we couldn't get our minds on nothing else you know and mama she'd come door once in a while and say now y'all quit that uh, looking up the lane because papa told you there might not be nothing and but long about the middle of the afternoon well we heard. the team of jangling, the hornies are coming, and we ran out in the front yard, and Ernie, my little brother, called out and said, you come, Papa, and here come them mules just in a big trot, you know, and Papa standing up right in the bed of that wagon holding two big old chickens, all feathers picked off, <laughs> and... He was just yelling, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And the team stopped right in front of the gate, and all us children just went swarming out there like a like a flock of cheese, you know, and just crawling over that wagon in and looking in. And, mister, I wish you could have seen what was in that wagon. These bags of striped candy and apples and oranges and sacks of flour and some real coffee, you know, and just just all tensely and pretty and we couldn't say nothing just kind of held her breath and looked at it you know and Papa standing there just waving them two chickens a yelling merry christmas to you merry christmas to you and a laugh and that big old grin on his face and mama she come a hurrying out with the baby in her arms you know and when she looked in that wagon she just stopped. and then, papa he dropped them two chickens and wretched and caught the baby out of her arms you know and held him up and said, Merry Christmas to you, Sandy Claus, and, and, and baby little old Alvy Lee. He just he just laughed like he knowed it was Christmas too, you know. And Mama, she started telling us the name all of them nuts. It wasn't just peanuts. It was. She had names for all of them. She, Mama knows a heap of things like that. She'd seen that stuff before, you know. And we all of us just chattering and going on at the same time. Us youngins are looking in there. And all of a sudden, we heard Papa call out, Merry Christmas to you, Sam Jackson. And we stopped and looked, and here comes Sam Jackson leading that old cripple-leg mule of up the lane. And Papa said, Sam Jackson, did you get in town and get some Christmas this year? Sam Jackson, you know, he share crops over there across the creek from our place. And he shook his head and said, well... No, sir, Mr. Will, I didn't go in town. I heard about that, but I didn't know it was for colored folks, too. I thought it was just for you white families. All of a sudden, none of us children were saying nothing. Papa, he, he looked down at Mama. Mama looked up at him and... They didn't say nothing like they don't a heap of time, but they know what the others are thinking. They're like that, you know. And all of a sudden, Papa, he broke out in a big grin again. He said, Dad, blame it. Sam Jackson, it's sure a good thing you come by here. Lord, have mercy. I like to forgot. Old Santa Claus would have me in court if he'd heard about this. The last thing he asked me if I lived out here near you, said he hadn't seen you around and said he wanted me to bring part of this out here to you and your family, your woman and your children. Well, sir, Sam Jackson, he broke out in a big grin. and Papa said, I'll tell you what to do. You get your wife and children and you come down here tomorrow morning. It's going to be Christmas time all day long. Come early and stay late. And Sam Jackson said, you reckon? and mama called out to him and said yes and you tell your wife to be sure and bring some pots and pans because we're going to have a heap of cooking to do and i ain't sure i've got enough to take care all of you well sir old sam jackson he started off uh, leading that mule up laying in a full trot you know and he's heading home to get the word to his folks and his children you know and next morning it just you remember how it was yesterday morning, just rosy red and looked like Christmas time. It was cold, but you didn't notice the cold, you know. And the sun just come up, just all rosy red. And us younguns were all out of bed before daylight. Seemed like just running in the kitchen and smelling and looking, and it's all there, sure enough. And here comes Sam Jackson and his his team and his wife and his five younguns in there, and it's all looking over the edge. And we run out and yell. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And Papa said, Christmas gift to you, Sam Jackson. Y'all come on in. And they come in and Mama and Sister Jackson, they got in the kitchen and they started cooking things up. And us young'uns started playing Christmas time. And it's a lot of fun, you know. We just play Christmas gift with one another and run around and around the house and just roll in the dirt, you know. And then we started playing, go up to the kitchen door and smell and we'd run up and smell inside that kitchen door where Mom and Sister Jackson was cooking at, and then we'd just die laughing and roll in the dirt, you know, and, and go chasing around and playing Christmas gift, And we played Christmas time till we just wore ourselves out. And Papa and Sam Jackson, they'd put a table up and put some sheets over it, some boards up over some sawhorses. And everybody had a place, even the baby. And Mom and Sister Jackson said, well, now it's ready to come on in we're going to have Christmas dinner and I sit right next to Willie Jackson you know and he just roll his eyes at me and I'd roll my head and we'd just die laughing you know and there was an apple and an orange and some striped of candy at everybody's place and that was just dessert see that wasn't a real Christmas dinner Mama and them had done cooked that up and they just had it spread up and down the table and so Papa and Sam Jackson they'd been sitting on the front porch and they come in Papa, he sit at one end of the table and Sam Jackson sit at the other and it was just a beautiful table like you never had seen. And I didn't know nothing could ever look like that and smell that good, you know. And Sam Jackson, you know, he's real black and he had on that white clean shirt of his and then them overhauls. Everything had been washed and was real clean. Papa, he said, Brother Jackson, I believe you're a deacon in the church. I ain't much of a church man myself, but I believe you're a deacon maybe you... You'd be willing to give grace. Well, Sam Jackson, he stood up there, and his hands was real big, and he kind of held on to the side of the table, you know. But he didn't bow his head like a heap of folks do when they're saying blessing. He just looked up and smiled. And he said, Lord, I hope you're having as nice a Christmas up there with your angels as we have it down here. Because <laughs> it's glorious Christmas time down here. And I just wanted to say, Merry Christmas to you, Lord. Like I say, mister, I believe that was a wonderful Christmas in the United States of America.
2: Isn't that great? Ah, uh, John Henry Falk. Um... That Christmas story, probably one of the best um just absolutely love that and you know that's the America I live in that's the America I live in and and have lived in and so um, when I hear the governor uh, come out and say these things, I'm always perplexed because um when he thinks we need equality clauses and compacts and I you know look around you know people are 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 genuinely pretty kind to each other and the few very few cases of that that happen or maybe maybe centralized to maybe a few particular areas um in the united states um if there is that kind of judgment going on and that kind of perceived racism going on you know um that cannot paint the 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 picture for all of america
10: Mortgage rates for our nation's veterans are at all-time lows. Heritage Home Loans is offering 30-year fixed VA mortgage rates at 2.38%. That's an APR of 2.55. If you're a veteran, call now and take advantage of these historic rates before they're gone. A streamlined refinance of your VA mortgage will save you thousands every year on your mortgage payments. Call Heritage Home Loans 435-359-9000. That's 435-359-9000. Not all borrowers will qualify. NMLS 149
4: I'm Russ Imlay. I love my work as a banker and I enjoy working for Cash Valley Bank because we have the statewide strength of 17 branches. Yet as a community bank, I'm able to give tailored attention to each of my customers. We're not here just to close a deal. We're here for the entire journey. We will be here on hand and on call as your financial outfitter. Is there a venture on your horizon? Let's map it out. Cash Valley Bank,
0: mountains await. Member FDIC. Equal housing
21: lender. This is Dr. Red, chiropractic physician with Red River Health and Wellness. Have you been suffering and you can't find any answers?
3: I actually suffer from depression and anxiety. I also have had severe IBS problems. I actually had gone into a a different doctor of mine because I thought maybe I was starting to go through menopause and had problems sleeping, and I
5: wasn't resting well, and just everything,
21: everything felt wrong. Red River, health and wellness can
5: help. I am now back at work. It's easy. I get through things effortlessly at work,
3: and it's been a life-changing for me. I'm sleeping better at night. I have full energy all day. I don't have those slumps where I need a nap. It's been amazing. It's been a
5: good journey for me.
21: Our goal is to teach you and educate you so you know how to manage your condition a lot more effectively and you know what to do and what not to do for the rest of your life.
11: Call Red River at 855-55-RIVER to schedule an in-depth consultation absolutely free. All appointments can be done remotely by FaceTime, Skype, or phone.
7: Trucks, 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 baby. You looking for a nice used truck or maybe a nice used diesel truck? Come down to Red Rock Auto Sales 4x4 and Truck Center. We have all the trucks you could want at one location. Our new 960 South Bluff Street location is full of beautiful trucks. We carry every make of diesel truck on the market and every make of half ton trucks on the market. With a huge selection of over 20 diesels in stock, you're sure to find your next truck at Red Rock Auto Sales 4x4 and Truck Center.
16: Can you imagine not being stressed going to the dentist? all for only $75 at that price you can afford to get the whole family in just imagine a dentist that doesn't pressure you they simply take care of you and your family Visit Imagine Family Dentistry today, located off Bluff Street, between Kmart and Smith's. Or to make an appointment, call 435-656-1111. That's 435-656-1111.
2: Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. Copiers for Sale offers Southern Utah the best quality and pricing on printers, copiers, and plotters. They sell, lease, and service any equipment your business or home office needs. Copiersforsale.com, a local company and division of Steamroller Copies, is always asking, what do you you want to print today no matter your situation bank of utah home loans can help with the right home loan for you call brian and the bank of utah home loans team today 435-986-7221 bank of utah home loans helping you grow no matter what stage of life you're in
20: Southern Utah's premier eye care center. The Zion Eye Institute understands your vision is precious and they're dedicated to helping you achieve and keep your best vision possible. 2020 is the year of vision and the Zion Eye Institute is giving you a chance to win the gift of sight. Just go to zioneye.com or Zion Eye's Facebook page and write a short essay telling us about someone you know that deserves the gift of sight, LASIK eye surgery. At the Zion Eye Institute, their highly trained team of doctors and staff are excited to help you see the world in all its splendor. Zion Eye Institute has specialists to cover every area of eye care and eye surgery. They can provide you with all forms of vision correction surgery from multiple highly skilled and experienced fellowship trained surgeons using advanced techniques individually or in combination with each other. The Zion Eye Institute the largest and most comprehensive eye care center in southern Utah. Schedule your appointment today at zioneye.com
0: that's zioneye.com
2: this show is previously recorded.
0: You're open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly
20: Show.
2: 888-673-1450, 888-673-1450. Uh, sometimes it's good, I think, uh, to think about these things as we're going into Christmas. Um, this is the only time of year that we can do this. And um, and so I always felt like it was important on this show, too, to kind of dial into perspective and, and also to... Um, What's important, <laughs> you know? Sometimes it can, you know. I was reading the headlines and it was um, uh, just nonsense and then nonsense and then nonsense and and uh, you know Elizabeth Warren and and Bernie Sanders arguing over uh, won't won't attend the the debate, arguing over labor dispute. I'm going, yeah. And it was just it struck me as funny because I thought labor dispute. Neither one of them have ever really worked. They've only, they've only been fed off government. And I, I just thought, interested, you know? So I like to kind of turn to some of the things that we kind of maybe take for granted a little bit that we don't ever think about. But if you'd like to call in on, on, uh, what I just spoke about, you're more than welcome to 888-673-1450. Uh, it's totally fine. Um, so, let me, uh, let me give you this. This was, uh, this was interesting because uh, it was a couple of years ago, and I remember uh, there was a gentleman, and I, I was reading an article where the gentleman said he had served in the Salvation Army. And I, I, it struck me for some reason, and I, I remember thinking, served? That's, a, that's an interesting way to put it, served, in the, in the Salvation Army, because we think of it as a charity. We don't necessarily think of it as, a, uh, as a, uh, uh, the, the Salvation Army. And so, I, I've thought that that was kind of intriguing, and uh, I've always looked at those bell ringers—you know, the volunteers with the kettles—and never really looked as it as an army to serve in, Like we think of as an, as a, as an armed forces, you know? And so most people take the Salvation Army, I think at face value, like I did for so many years, they're busy, they're shopping and they just see the kettle every year. Right. Don't really think about it, but William Booth, he was actually born in Nottingham at the turn of the 19th century. And only about 50 years after our country had officially become a country. And he was born in England, um, to Samuel and Mary, his, his dad was an entrepreneur and a builder at the time, but, uh, he died when William was only 13 years old. So the family finances were in ruin and he needed to support his mother and his sisters somehow and carried that burden and so he started down the path of a, of a religious career. He felt like the Church of England was too formal and unfriendly, and he began looking into being a Methodist. And then he was really inspired by James Caye, the, the, the fiery American preacher, prone to theatrics who traveled around England at the time. So William felt like God was calling him to do a great work. And uh, he was ill quite a lot, but began preaching religion on the back streets of Nottingham. And so, at the time, um, Wesleyan, um, uh, you know, Methodist prevailed, and also uh, called a lot of disputes between the sects of the Methodist religion. So, to understand William, you have to understand John Wesley, the founder of that. Um, and he believed in a threefold grace: uh, permanent grace, uh, prevenient grace, as as God's active presence in our lives. This presence is not dependent on human actions or human response. It's a gift, right? And so. Um, Um, So it goes on, and... Uh, and 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 he really was really about uh, salvation salvation is not a static one time event in our lives it is the ongoing experience of you know transforming us into whom God intends us to be and so this was he was really inspired by John Wesley and uh, and by that sort of s- uh, sanctification if you will so this is what he preached and, and he was very instinctive about it instead of intellectual about it so he avoided the regular you know the theological debate, and he was a pretty precocious teenager at that, but he meets his wife, Catherine, whom he married in 1855 and had joined the temperance movement 10 years before meeting Booth, and they both had a devotion to religion. Um, William showed passion, but not a lot of direction. And Catherine was more of the direction. She was kind of this great source of guidance to him, um, but warned him about the evils of ambition. She was quite worried about that. And they had a very equal relationship, partnership and marriage. And and he was, uh, this was, you know, unlikely in those days, I'd say. Um, but still like more likely, I think than people want to give it credit for. Um, but she was considered a heretic. She believed women should preach in church and William supported that view and she had eight children with William. So he had such a different style of preaching. It was flamboyant, more hellfire, damnation, you know, with hymns to popular tunes and contemporary songs. And he thought it would appeal to the ignorant masses that did not go to church. He thought he could get them into church. So he was heavily criticized for this. And the older, uh, middle aged uh, were quite offended uh, by his new profound, uh, you know, way of doing things. But he didn't even care. He wanted to reach those that could not have attended, uh, church and, and, he wanted to make sure that those people felt welcome, welcome. And he wanted those that produced and drank alcohol, um, uh, you know, um, to be banned from coming. He uh, he left the church that, that he preached at Catherine soon joined him and uh, and the audiences acted half horrified at <laughs> what they were doing in this new different kind of way. So the booths learned a valuable lesson as they were roaming the country for the next couple of years. And one was that the poor were likely to visit or, or likely to listen to their own kind. And who could resist, uh, you know, uh, these addresses by uh, horse racers and, and so forth because he let, you know, kind of anybody, uh, you know, join him. And so uh, Booth recruited all these unlikely helpers and they, and he named it the Hallelujah Band. And Catherine's eyes in particular were being further sort of opened, um, you know, caused by, you know, to the social wreckage That was going on from all the drinking and the prostitution and everything like that. So a group of missionaries impressed by Williams preaching in all of these sort of seedy streets in London asked him to lead a series of meetings for them in a large tent. At a place called Mile End and William was so struck by the amount of work that had to be done by the local poor that the booths agreed to stay and despite never attend intending to kind of you know found their own church they just they set up the the uh, what was it called the East London Christian Mission and that was going to be renamed as the Christian Mission um, to reflect more of a nationwide potential because he still kind of had his eyes maybe on even growing it at that point. So William preached in uh, in unusual venues from a stable to a pub, while Catherine raised funds among the city's well-to-do. She appealed to them a little bit more than William. And William would uh, go where no one else would go, right? The uneducated, uh, the non-Christian, you know, wherever he could get a crowd that would most likely not be going into a church. And so he reasoned that no one could concentrate on that message with, that, with on an empty stomach. So soup kitchens and what was called Food for the Millions shops were created uh, to help provide the poor with sustenance. And then these mission meetings... You know, pretty much disrupted all the time by jeering and stone throwing and fireworks and all the rest. William and his people just merely sort of turned the other cheek and just kept going. And in fact, persecution became tantamount to the sort of badge of honor. It took a special kind of person to deal with such this, you know, kind of hostility. So how did it get its famous name, the Salvation Army? Well, the name change was a result of a family joke by the Booth's eldest son named Bramwell. All of the Booth's siblings had been immersed in religion and strict discipline from birth, and Bramwell was now this sort of industrious second-in-command to William at the new church He was helping his dad. And on hearing them, uh, called a volunteer army, he thought, he thought it a rather understated description for the workers. And so William replaced the offending word with salvation. So it became the, a Christian mission became the salvation army in 1878. And from that moment, the movement really took off. The concept of an army albeit peaceful, captured the imagination of all the sections of this Victorian society, um, publicizing a, a Whitby campaign, screaming, we are rushing into war, it is a field of blood already, and a public ham uh, a public ham sandwich tea will be provided in the Congress Hall. And so, um, uh, you know, but but war it was. Ranks were adopted in the Army. And William, and he mo- really modeled it after the Army, with William as general. And the uniforms were designed so that members could immediately recognize each other. So for women, the unflattering hallelujah bonnet, <laughs> that served as the double function of, the, of separating wares from worldly fashions and protecting them from... Uh, from missiles and he found that the brass bands were great for attracting crowds and so as as army corps uh, progressed through the streets they also helped drown out the hecklers so in 1884, there were 910 um, corps, church centers, and over 2,000 officers in Britain in this Salvation Army. And its non-use of the sacraments and its proscription of alcohol, that the Salvation Army, um, differed from the Church of England, which kept sort of this... Huge distance between the two, but it was becoming part of British life. And so at first, uh, William Booth resisted the idea that the army could spread internationally, but then it sort of appealed to him a little bit more later on. And uh, then in October night 1890, Army Mother Catherine Booth died after uh, she got cancer. So her funeral was in London, attended by 36,000 people. Um, a mark of not only respect, uh, was held, but also the strength of the army. So William and his whole organization obviously missed Catherine cause she was sort of the guiding presence there, but it certainly, uh, contains his ideas on practical Christianity, you know, if you will, just sort of, uh, kind of inventing this, this new way of doing things. And then, um, they were really trying to shine a light on, on poverty and he believed, uh, that that hampered people's path to salvation and so uh william described the ways in which the army could reduce those hurdles and it included the establishment of city colonies farm colonies and overseas colonies as places of kind of like a rehab rehabilitation shelters for the destitute lost persons bureau um, a prison reform like rehabilitating for ex-prisoners so the army already ran a home uh, for discharged felons at King's Cross, but many Victorians kind of held the view that the poor only had themselves to blame for their plight and sin, and reactions were sort of mixed about this at the time, too. So in the last years of his life, he turned again to preach. He met the world's wealthy and powerful, right? Hobnobbed with everybody. And then in uh, from 1904, despite really... Failing health, he embarked on a ser- series of uh, annual motor tours um, of the UK, covering thousands of miles and speaking at hundreds of meetings. And uh, yeah, and he uh, he died in, uh, or he was promoted uh, to glory, if you want, if you want to put it that died in, in 1912, and 150,000 mourners. Uh, came 150,000 um, um, were lighting the streets too as it was as he was driven through the streets. Um, so the Salvation Army became the fifth largest charity in the UK and as of 2005 its outreach is 109 countries 175 languages and the Salvation Army's membership consists of 3500 officers 60,000 employees 113,000 soldiers 430,000 or more adherents and more than 3.5 million volunteers there you have it I know kind of crazy huh Uh, it became it just became huge you know so in you know his life was, was interesting to me, where he came from, what his goals were, what they were trying to do. Um, but when you look at those kettles, I hope you remembered this as part of the story because that is not really told and, and it, it took a long it, I never I had never realized or really ever had thought about army. Um, but I thought that that was kind of interesting in the way that it developed as the salvation army uh be right back on the Kate daly show and i'll take your calls too you're welcome to call in you can call in about anything it's fine 888-673-1450 be right back
0: lines are open now call 888-673-1450 this is the Kate daly show
10: how would you like to work for one of the fastest growing companies in southern utah Balance of Nature employs more than 200 local individuals and plans to double that number over the next six months. We have always been a locally owned and operated company, and we never want to leave this area of Southern Utah. By supplying our whole food products directly to individuals online or over the phone, Balance of Nature has served over a half a billion servings of fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature helps real people be a part of something that's making a difference. Be a part of Balance of Nature. The culture here is so amazing. Everyone is so happy and helpful.
11: I enjoy my job at Balance of Nature because I'm able to help people improve their lives. I have only been here for six months and I can see a path for me to move up in the company.
10: For more information or to apply, please visit our website at balanceofnature.com.
13: The new 2020 Lincoln Nautilus at Kengar St. George Lincoln offers a standard 2.0 liter turbocharged I-4 engine and an available 2.7 liter V6 twin turbocharged engine. With varying horsepower, you can choose the engine that best suits your performance needs, helping you to make your drive uniquely your own. Right now, you get 0% for 60 months, $1,000 bonus cash, and a $1,000 loyalty cash on the new 2020 Lincoln Nautilus. Ken Garf, St. George Ford, Lincoln. We hear you on approved credit through Lincoln AFS Financing OAC. See dealer for details.
7: Hi, this is Greg from the Gold Door Store. Folks, buying and selling gold and silver has been a passion of mine for many years, but recently I've never been more excited about the market and what gold and silver is doing. People right here in St. George have been able to increase their net worth so much by purchasing gold and silver. Have you considered selling or buying gold and silver? Folks, now is the time. I'm here to tell you at the Gold Ore Store, we flat out pay you more for your gold and silver and have the best pricing in town, guaranteed. One thing I know is that gold and silver is here to stay and your investment is safe. Because you have the right to make the decision about buying and selling. Not a huge corporation. No going out of business or bankruptcies here. Because gold and silver has been around for centuries. Make a serious decision today that will serve for generations. Come see us at the Gold Ore Store for the best pricing on gold and silver. The Gold Ore Store, 7 North Main Street in historic St. George or Gold oldorstore.com
11: Apple, Amazon, Google Great things can come out of a garage, and over at Garage Doors Only, we make sure your garage doors are in the best possible working order. We service, repair, and install garage doors and openers. Give us a call at 435-868-1200 or come see us at our showroom at 689 North Bluff. Check out our reviews by Googling Garage Doors Only, and let's make great things happen in your garage this year.
1: On behalf of the entire team at Ashton & Associates, we wish you a very Merry Christmas.
22: It is such a fun time of year. Christmas lights up, you start thinking about gifts, but you know what? It's really about the family, and it's about Christ, and it's about everything that's good in this world.
9: We wish you a very Merry Christmas, and we hope you have a great holiday season with your family and those you love and care about.
16: Can you imagine not being stressed going to the dentist? hygiene kit all for only 75 dollars at that price you can afford to get the whole family in just imagine a dentist that doesn't pressure you they simply take care of you and your family Visit Imagine Family Dentistry today, located off Bluff Street between Kmart and Smith's. Or to make an appointment, call 435-656-1111. That's 435-656-1111.
10: This is Heidi Berlin with The Flooring Studio, and we are committed to making your remodel experience the easiest and quickest situation possible while
11: recreating your perfect living environment. Whether you are moving into the area, reworking your forever space, or have had a flood and need repairs done, allow
10: me, Heidi Berlin, to be your advocate. Please come and see us down at the flooring studio off Tabernacle or give us a call at 435-767-8564.
2: having a good one. Um... This weekend is fun for you. I'm sure you probably have holiday plans. I would imagine. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back. Of course, phone lines are open if you'd like to call in uh, about anything I've talked about. Actually, um, history always intrigues me, and uh, and I think there's always such a great story behind all the different songs that we sing each Christmas. Um, you know, I've done shows about uh, the history of Christmas tree, and I mean, you name it. I've probably done it on this show through the years. I did a lot for the Blaze uh, when I was on the Blaze too. Um, um just just uh, from edict of Torah to uh, you name it I mean we probably run the gamut Um but, you know, there always, there's always things that stick with me, too, always things that uh, that I'd like to share and with you. And, of course, 888-673-1450, um, if you'd like to call up, that's totally fine. And I know calls were coming in, but usually co- kind of close to a break, and so that's usually why I don't uh, take them right off the bat. But um, we're open, so you can, you can call in. Um, or sh- I should say I am anyway, um, I wanted to play, uh, this for you. I thought that this was, uh, it was a touching story because I, I think that it really kind of, it, it touches upon something kind of fascinating and at the same time sad, but what a, what a, what a great thing. And so, you know what? All right. I'll take a call really quick and then I'll play it for you. Hi caller. Welcome to the show. Go right ahead.
4: Hello, I have the greatest holiday song that no one ever plays. Really? Everybody loves the Monster Mash. Uh-huh. That same year, 1959, uh, Bobby Boris Pickett did a holiday song it's called Monsters Holiday it <laughs> I believe it also got number one really? but I've never heard anyone ever play it and it's totally hilarious okay well I'll check it out thank Halloween you Halloween Christmas action uh, you will love interesting okay, thank you thanks. very much for always playing such great songs all the time Aww, all
2: year long thank you thank you Kate, you're great. yeah you've I been really
4: it. hope you all have a terrific Christmas thank you Do you appreciate bet. it
2: thank you that was really sweet thank you so much I really appreciate that um I really do. All right, let me let me play this for you. This is a. It's kind of a sad story, but it was uh, it was touching. It was really touching. Here you go. This is uh, Jason Schmidt. So,
12: my parents split up when I was two. My uh, mom went to California by herself. I stayed in Eugene, Oregon, with my dad. My mom wanted to be an artist. My dad wanted to be a parent. But he was a young guy. He was 22 when I was born, and he was a junkie and a dealer, and stuff was just always going wrong. When I was three, he got busted in our living room right in front of me for dealing coke, and then when I was four, our housemate accidentally burned our house down, and it was just always one thing or another like that, but Dad had this trick that he could do. You know, the bad thing would happen And we'd be sitting next to the road with all of our worldly possessions. And he'd say, sit tight, kid. I'll be right back. And then he would leave and come back. And when he came back, he would have a phone number or a used car or some friend who owed us a favor or 10 years on probation instead of 20 years in jail. It was like this magic trick he could do, and it was amazing. He was like a superhero to me. There was nothing my dad couldn't do, but it didn't mean that life was easy. You know, the the economy in Oregon back then was really, really bad, and he couldn't work straight jobs because he had a felony conviction, and he couldn't deal because he was on probation. But then when I was seven, uh, they cut his probation short because of some kind of budget problem, and they were letting nonviolent offenders go early. And Dad had an idea where we were gonna go. Uh, We had heard that there were jobs, uh, and good schools, and uh, cheap housing, if you can imagine such a thing in Seattle. It was the 70s. So uh, We put all our stuff in storage, and we got in Dad's crappy yellow Vega, and he had just enough cash in his pocket for food, gas, and we were hoping first, last, and deposit on uh, a place here in Seattle. So the, the only thing was we were, we're going to do one thing before we left. We were going to go camping for a little while because uh, just outside Eugene, there's this little piece of heaven. It's the Fall Creek Watershed, and it's just it's gorgeous. And we'd had a lot of good times out there with our friends, and we wanted to say goodbye to it before we left. So... We got in Dad's car with a little bit of cash and some blankets, and our stuff was in storage. We went to Fall Creek, and we got a great camping spot right next to the river, got out, had a campfire, roasted some marshmallows and told some stories, and got in the car and went to sleep. And in the middle of that night, our first night camping, my dad wakes up because he's hot. And he can't figure out why he's hot. That's his first question. we Why am I hot? And he can't figure out why. And then he realizes it's me. I'm generating a tremendous amount of heat. I was hot to the touch. He actually like couldn't leave his hand on my forehead. So he wakes me up and I'm kind of lucid and I, I, I seem functioning and, and it's dark. It's the middle of the night. He doesn't know what to do, but I seemed okay. So we went back to sleep. And in the morning, every little nick and cut on my body, you know, like little kids get was red and swollen. And there was one on my arm and he he just touched it, and it just burst open, and blood and pus started running down my arm and He said later that the thing that f- was most terrifying about that moment was that i didn 't react to it. I was seven, and I was just looking at it like it was happening to somebody else. So he got in the front of the car, and we drove to town uh, to our family practitioner, Dr. Barry Hill. And Dad and I sat in the exam room, and he gave me Tylenol to lower my fever and antibiotics. And he said that, uh, he said that what I had was a flesh-eating staph infection <laughs> over most of my body. And he prescribed us this special soap that was supposed to take care of the staph infection. And he said that my dad would have to monitor my temperature if it got above 104. He should take me to the emergency room immediately, and that I should get plenty of fluids... And a lot of sleep, and it it wasn't said, but it was strongly implied that what we shouldn't do was go live in the woods, and and bathe in the stream with all the living things that have you know their poop and their own bacteria. So, we went out in the lobby, and uh, Dad went to the pharmacy, and he used our house money to get the soap. And, uh, and a handful of change, and he came back, and uh, I sat there next to a, a, phone, a phone booth in the, in the lobby, and he, he made calls. He called everybody we knew. And nobody could take us, because they had kids, and they couldn't risk them getting infected. Or they had roommates, or they were dealing, and they didn't want a kid in the house. And... So I was sitting there, and I was watching my dad making phone calls. And he wasn't yelling and he wasn't begging. But he was getting scared. And I'd never really seen that before in all of his previous magic tricks. And I started, I had this moment this seven-year-old epiphany where I was thinking about all the other times that stuff like this had happened and I was thinking about it sort of from his perspective and I started to realize that to him each of these near misses just points on a trajectory leading to this moment where we had been sliding downhill for a couple of years. That's what it would have looked like to him and I just hadn't noticed because I was a kid. So he runs out of change, and we go back out and get in the car. And he sits there with his hands on the steering wheel, and I'm still hoping I'm wrong. So I look at him and I go, where are we going, Dad? And he goes, just be quiet for a minute. And then he starts the car, and we go back out to the woods. And it wasn't the end of things, like it had looked like. The soap worked, and he checked my temperature, and it went down, uh, and we spent a while out in the woods. And it was kind of fun, it was almost what we'd intended to do, except that we weren't camping anymore, we were homeless. And... We stayed there longer than we needed to, and at some point I did that thing again where I tried to imagine it from his perspective, and I started to understand that he was avoiding the reality that we didn't have any money for a house when we got to Seattle. But eventually we just had to go. So we got to Seattle in dad's crappy yellow vega with $20 and no place to stay, and that worked out eventually. That worked out. We had other houses, and we had other near misses but the way that i saw my dad had really changed forever. He wasn't a superhero or a magician to me anymore. He was just a man who did his best. Thank you.
2: That was Jason uh, Schmidt and uh, that story and you know sometimes i think parents need to be need to be told, you know, do your best. Do your best, but but don't uh uh, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Sometimes we can get really hard on ourselves uh, for not being as perfect as we'd like to be. But I loved that story just because it, it really does kind of ring uh, that, that message bell that says, you know what, it's fine. You know what I mean? You, you do what you can do and do what you could do for your kids. Uh, this is one more, Christmas 1949. I love this. Here we go.
22: A light drizzle was falling as my sister Jill and I ran out of the Methodist church eager to get home and play with the presents that Santa had left for us and our baby sister, Sharon. Across the street from the church was a Pan-American gas station where the Greyhound bus stopped. It was closed for Christmas, but I noticed a family standing outside the locked door, huddled under the narrow overhang in an attempt to keep dry. I wondered briefly why they were there, but then forgot about them as I raced to keep up with Jill. Once we got home, there was barely time to enjoy our presents. We had to go off to our grandparents' house for our annual Christmas dinner. As we drove down the highway through town, I noticed that the family was still there, standing outside the closed gas station. My father was driving very slowly down the highway. The closer we got to the turnoff off from my grandparents' house, the slower the car went. Suddenly, my father U-turned in the middle of the road and said, "'I can't stand it.'" "'What?' asked my mother." It's those people back there at the Pan Am, standing in the rain. They've got children. It's Christmas. I can't stand it. When my father pulled into the service station, I saw that there were five of them, the parents and three children, two girls and a small boy. My father rolled down his window. Merry Christmas, he said. Howdy, the man replied. He was very tall and had to stoop slightly to peer into the car. Jill, Sharon, and I stared at the children, and they stared back at us. "'You waiting on the bus?' my father asked. "'The man said that they were. "'They were going to Birmingham, "'where he had a brother and prospects of a job. "'Well, that bus isn't going to come along for several hours "'and you're getting wet standing there. Windbourne's just a couple miles up the road. "'They've got a shed with a cover there and some benches,' my father said. "'Why don't you all get in the car and I'll run you up there?' "'The man thought for a moment and then he beckoned to his family. "'They climbed into the car. "'They had no luggage, only the clothes they were wearing.' Once they were settled in, my father looked back over his shoulder and asked the children if Santa had found them yet. Three glum faces mutely gave him the answer. Well, I didn't think so, my father said, winking at my mother, because when I saw Santa this morning, he told me he was having trouble finding y'all, and he asked me if he could leave your toys at my house. We'll just go get them before I take you to the bus stop. All at once, the three children's faces lit up, and they began to bounce around in the back seat, laughing and chattering. When we got out of the car at our house, the three children ran through the front door and straight to the toys that were spread out under our Christmas tree. One of the girls spied Jill's doll and immediately hugged it to her breast. I remember that the little boy grabbed Sharon's ball, and the other girl picked up something of mine. All this happened a long time ago, but the memory of it remains clear. This was the Christmas while my sisters and I learned the joy of making others happy. My mother noticed that the middle child was wearing a short-sleeved dress, so she gave the girl Jill's only sweater to wear. My father invited them to join us at our grandparents' for Christmas dinner, but the parents refused. Even when we all tried to talk them into coming, they were firm in their decision. Back in the car on the way to Winborn, my father asked the man if he had money for bus fare. His brother had sent tickets, the man said. My father reached into his pocket and pulled out two dollars, which was all he had left until his next payday. He pressed the money into the man's hand. The man tried to give it back, but my father insisted. It'll be late when you get to Birmingham, and these children will be hungry before then. Take it. I've been broke before, and I know what it's like when you can't feed your family. We left them there at the bus stop in Winborne. As we drove away, I watched out the window as long as I could, Looking back at the little girl hugging her new doll.
2: Wow. Christmas 1949. Isn't that great? Be right back on The Kate Daly Show.
4: 2020 Lincoln Nautilus at Ken Garth St. George Lincoln offers us a-